1,501. Boy, if you missed yesterday's show, it was something else. Did you guys know that we could do a parade live in studio? It's kind of cool. It was cool. Where did the confetti shoot out from? I was, I'm still confused about where that came from. Got to be honest, it was a medical miracle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just shocked the, uh, the elephants made it through the doors. Now, the indoor fireworks, not a great uh, idea. Uh, but uh, we put the fire out in the newsroom, and uh, as far as we know, everybody's okay. Those balloon floats were a problem. Yeah, but there's no wind up here. Yeah. So yeah, it was okay. True. They could fly. Sorry, I ceilings, popped, too. Sorry I popped that one. And, Didn't uh, mean it. Then you popped Mickey. Uh-huh. Oh, no! <laughs> Thank you again for the $1,500 bonuses as well. Yes. That was very nice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, Still waiting for my hat, though. It's the least I can do. Was John Williams upset about the cleanup? Uh, not as much as his producer was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because John kind of passed it off. Anyway, uh, along with the parade, of course, a special guest, Madonna, stopped by, um, which is weird because I didn't even know she was a fan of the yeah. show. Uh, Oprah was here all morning long, all part of the 1500 show. And she and, was giving uh, away a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, she wanted to give away all of her favorite things. So it was a little bit crazy. And Julie Andrews even stopped. <laughs> Julie Andrews was here. Uh, Dean Richards, plastic surgeon, was in. Oh, <laughs> and of course, Billie Eilish, uh, Orion's favorite singer, mm-hmm. uh, was here as well. Anyway, great uh, celebration. Now we're on to 1501 as the show continues. Pat Brady's in a little early today. Chuck Todd's on assignment. And we'll try to find out where we go from here architecturally. There's some very specific things that have to happen during this impeachment process. There's secret handshakes. Uh, there's robes and cloaks. There's a lot going on. Uh, Bridget Gaynor will join him in the 7 o'clock hour. Dean Richards later. and, and we're, Dean took a terrible fall, terrible spill. He was walking across Michigan Avenue, and he stepped in a pothole, and he face-planted, like on the sidewalk, like face first. He uh, broke his wrist trying to break the fall. And uh, he messed up his. No, this, okay, this is a story he's telling. Yeah, uh, and uh, and he messed up his fit. What a trooper, though. He's back at work. I would have milked this for at least a week off. Yeah. So what's he looking like this morning? I haven't seen him. It yet. looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have some makeup on. Uh, we have our Steve Cochran Christmas card by phone. Um, I'm doing Christmas cards by phone because oh, nice. I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like sending out Christmas cards. Are you getting as many Christmas cards? People don't send them anymore. I I've not, I haven't received one yet. Uh. Really. I've gotten about, I don't know, 10, 15. People are late this year because, you know, we didn't have that extra week. I haven't sent mine out yet, if you're waiting. I think the volume's less, though, isn't it? It kind of gets less every year. More pictures, less cards with people just saying, have a great Christmas. You know, it's like, okay. (laughs) What's that sound again? (laughs) Have a great Christmas. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I love the pictures, like I said. The pictures and... And the the you know letters. I still like the letters. The uh, the health letters. Yes. Yeah. This year we all had Ebola. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for Tom Peterson's letter. He always sends a great letter every year. Oh, he's always guy Tom Peterson. He's always so optimistic. Yes, it's always hilarious. <laughs> um, and Chicago's own Jane Lynch is appearing this weekend in a show at the Row, and uh, she'll be on later as well. We have tickets to Beauty and the Beast. We also have a $100 gift card to Four Winds Casino, so you can go and get your gambling on. At 6, make it 513. I wish, huh? I wish I was up at 6. Kelly Davis joins us from Channel 9. Good morning, WGN-TV's own Kelly Davis. 
Hey, guys. How are you? How about that for an introduction? <laughs> it's pretty nice. Thank you. So when people greet and meet you, is it cool if they just go, look, it's WGN-TV's own Kelly Davis? Chicago's very own. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> All right, you got kind of a cool story you're covering today. Tell people. I am, yeah. We are in Displains, where they are having the huge feast for Our Lady of Guadalupe, and it's actually the second largest shrine in the world, next to the original in Mexico City. So hundreds of thousands of people are gathering out here. They started Mass last night at 6 p.m., and they're doing 24 hours of Masses. So um, there actually is a Mass going on right now at St. Joseph's Chapel, and another one at 9 a.m., and all the way till the closing Mass this evening at 7 p.m. Um, it sounds uh, ridiculous because, you know, when this originated, you wouldn't ask a question like this, but do you recommend Mass Transit? Yes, actually, they do have some shuttle services over here because people have to park all over the place. So there were shuttles running through the night, but I believe the last shuttle was for the 5 a.m. mass because the overnight masses are the ones that are the most popular, believe it or not. That's right. You know, uh, Andy, the three wise men took a train. I don't know if you know that or not. I did hear that. <laughs> yeah. I did hear that. Really. I have not heard that one yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You can look it up. You know, it's on one of the internets. Um, all right, Kelly. Well, we appreciate the help. And, of course, you'll cover that all morning on Channel 9 during the WGN Morning News. I sure will. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, too. And standing by is Nick DeGilio. You know, Nick, when uh, I was told I'd be getting up earlier, you can yeah. imagine how thrilled I was. <laughs> yes, I did. First thing, actually, first thing popped into my mind was how thrilled Mr. Cochran would be starting at five. But then it occurred to me, you know, when I came back, Nick and I had radio magic every day. He'd finish his show. He'd hang out for a bit on my show. And we don't see each other anymore. And I thought, No, we don't. I thought, how great is this? A rekindling. It's Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin getting back together. And we didn't even need Frank. But instead, who's we, who? By the way, who's who? And that you got to be, uh, you know, um, maybe that's not the best. I'm so I'm sober now, so I got to be Jerry. Yeah, you got to be Jerry. I'm Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and then I found out that we're running uh, the uh, four o'clock hour of WGN TV. By the way, the four o'clock hour of WGN TV is fantastic. Uh, they yes, do it a is. great job, and uh, and it's well worth your time if you're on your TV. Uh, but I was just disappointed that we wouldn't even be able to play radio. I but, know, me but too. But look, when they throw me out of here and I do my fake show in the basement of my house, you can come by and do that. Oh, okay. No. See a movie last weekend? Uh, we did not. We, nothing really opened last weekend. There were no big movies that opened last weekend. So uh, we, we, my parents and I skipped. But we're going to see um, we're going to see Richard Jewell. Uh, uh, this weekend, the new Clint Eastwood uh, movie, which is actually causing a lot of controversy about whether it is accurate and whether uh, they played with history and and, uh, and 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 so on and so forth. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's getting uh, some great buzz, and the star of the movie uh, is this unknown actor, relatively speaking, who plays Richard Jewell. Am I right about this? Wasn't he in the Tanya Harding movie? He was. He was googly in, in the. Oh no, no, sorry, googly's friend. And he was great. Uh, the sidekick. He was. Dude. Yeah. He was hilarious. Total and he scene was great in it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I assume he's great in this, from what we've heard. Yeah. No, I hear it's great, and I'm, I'm seeing it on Saturday. I'll tell you, of the movies that are opening this week, I've only seen one. Um, and it's absolutely one of the best movies of the year. And let me, I'm going to say a sentence, Steve. And here's a sentence that I never thought I would say in my life. I want you to think about this for a second. Seriously, 
the sentence I'm about to say would have never been uttered by a human being. I think I know what it is. Until, until I saw Uncut Gems. Yeah, I think I know what Adam it is. San, Adam Sandler deserves a Best Actor nomination. Bingo. That's exactly ah! what it is. Yeah, no, listen, yeah. Uh, you're not the only one saying it, man. All over America, people who know. He's, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable in this movie. And Uncut Gems is one of the best movies I've seen all year. It is truly incredible. And it opens this weekend. It's about a gem salesman who who is a gambler, who's a gambling addict. And it's about this insane time where he's trying to get money that he owes and pay back these people and run from the mob and uh it and kevin garnett is in it it's it's ridiculously good and it's entertaining but not funny necessarily right no 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 it's not a funny movie it's not a comedy at all it's an it's sort of an intense thriller and i'm telling you adam sandler is phenomenal in this movie it is a shockingly great performance and he doesn't play his own sister (laughs) <laughs> no, not in this one, because he has a goatee. Okay, good, good. Uh, so he, so he, he's not going to do that. But no, seriously, it's the biggest, one of the biggest surprises of the year is how good he is in this movie and how truly he deserves an Academy Award nomination. I don't think he's going to get it because the SAG Award nominations came out, he didn't get one. Uh, Golden Globes came out, he didn't get one. But it is, I think it's one of the best performances of the year. I hope he does. Yeah. Uh, Jumanji, the next level. Couldn't be less yeah, interested. The, no, me neither. Uh, but the first Jumanji movie with, uh, 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 the, I was going to say Daryl Hammond, with, <laughs> Hammond with, uh, with The Rock and Kevin Hart um, made an absolute ton of money. So, of uh-huh. course, they did a sequel. Uh, the first one, I, I don't even know. Uh, I thought the first Jumanji movie back in the 90s with uh, Robin Williams was kind of entertaining. But yeah, the last one, and this one, I don't care. Uh, but the kids, the kids will love it. The kids will be out there. Yes, they will. It. It'll make a ton of money. It'll be number one at the box office this weekend, without question. And what's Black Christmas? Black Christmas is the second remake of a classic horror slasher movie from 1974 called Black Christmas, which, of course, as you know, is one of my favorite movies. Um, they did a sequel about ten years ago, or I'm sorry, a remake about ten years ago. It was horrendous, and I have no idea why there's a second remake and why it's rated PG-13. Um, but yeah, and they wouldn't screen it for critics and the the buzz on the people who have actually seen it, uh, say it's terrible. Um, but that is not your favorite Christmas movie of all time. I believe your favorite Christmas of all time is the ref. It's the ref. Yeah. Without question. I, I, I love that movie. Um, uh, you know, the, the Dennis Leary, uh, comedy, Judy Davis, Kevin Spacey, Christine Baranski. It is hilarious and real because that's what families are like at Christmas. And um, I just, I adore that movie. It's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. And it's hilarious is right, because Dennis Leary breaks in and ends up being taken hostage by the family he's taken hostage. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so good. It's, it's yeah. very funny. Um, yeah. And what are your plans for the holiday? Are you, are you, is your last show Friday? Uh, no, the twenty. I go all the way up to the 22nd. Oh, you do? Okay, me too. Yeah, so I go I go in another week and a half, and then I'm off. And uh, the plans are just to hang with my folks. You know, we're going to hang out. We're going to do the gifts. We're going to see a movie on Christmas. I'm not sure which one we're going to see yet, but we always see a movie on Christmas. So, Yeah, we used to do that, and then my kids grew up. Yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I'm going to have to get an investigation going. Uh, and anything you want to plug on your own show? Uh, well, you listen, uh, on the show starting tonight at 11 o'clock, going till 4 a.m. I'm 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. now. I got a longer show, even though I don't get to hang out with you, but I do have a longer show now. Yeah, you do. Um, 
Kevin J. O'Connor, Chicago actor, great guy. He's been in the Mummy movies and a bunch of other stuff, including There Will Be Blood. He's got a new movie coming out. They're going to screen at Facets uh, uh, tomorrow night and Saturday night. He's going to make an appearance there. He's going to be on the show tomorrow night. All right, buddy. All the best. Okay, man. Take care. See you. That's Nick DiGilio. Uh, coming up after six, our friends at Goodwill have given us a bunch of white elephant gifts. It's a great place to get your white elephant gifts. And Mary, I'm putting you in charge of this. Next what? week, we have to uh, pull names for our, what, what do we call it, Secret Santa? Is that what Secret Santa. Mm-hmm. And it's a Secret Santa where um, I'm insisting the limit is $10 and all the stuff you buy has to be from the dollar store. Boy, we're getting late in this. Yeah, I'm almost we... done with my shopping. Yeah. Can we move this to January, like our no. holiday launch? No, 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 no. No, this has to happen next week. Okay. So um, what do we have to do? Pick names? Yeah, we just have to pick names. But I'm, I'm waiting for Dave Ennett to get back because Andy doesn't have $10. Yeah, I don't have 10 bucks. <laughs> no. Oop, how about if my mic's on? Big O likes to upgrade your agribusiness. I was literally doing the show without the microphone being on. Uh, and you know what a good time to do that would be? I think it would be good right now. Good morning. Soybean futures down yesterday as investors took profits. This coming after six days in a row of higher prices for soybeans. Wheat and corn, however, dropped on technical selling. So the Board of Trade screen was all red. December wheat down five and three quarters cents a bushel. December corn down six and a quarter. January soybeans ended the day down nine cents a bushel. Turning to livestock futures, Cattle futures higher yesterday, rebounding from the downturn on Tuesday. Traders said that signs of strength in the cash market added support to the strength in both live and feeder cattle prices. February live cattle futures ended up seventy-five cents a hundredweight. January feeder cattle up a dollar twelve cents a hundredweight. Lean hogs for February delivery fell uh, twenty-five cents, and the contract faced some technical resistance at its 20-day moving average, a level it has not closed above since November 14. Other notes, uh, well, let's take a look at the uh, lean hog contract. The February contract down 20 cents a hundredweight, but the December live cattle contract up 72 cents a hundredweight, and January feeder cattle ended up a dollar 27 cents a hundredweight. Secretary of Agriculture Sonny Perdue in the air and on the road again today. He'll be spending this day in Nebraska and Iowa meeting with farmers, and the main discussion will be the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. Have a great day. I'm Orion Samuelson. It is 541. Um, a couple of stories that are out there. This New Zealand white uh, um, island volcano story, as the details are coming out, is just a nightmare. Um, that honeymoon couple you may have heard of, uh, 36 and 32, actually probably saved their lives by hiding behind a big rock down near the water as opposed to running because those that ran um, inhaled the volcanic ash and steam. Um, there was somebody who had respirators. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how this happened, either a rescue boat or something. They were given a couple of respirators and then put on a boat. And uh, the two people that got him on a boat to get him out of there um, were running a tour boat that had already taken off. Uh, the Hopkins uh, family uh, runs a tour boat. They left White Island shortly before the volcano erupted. As soon as the volcano erupted, they knew it was bad, and they turned their boat around to go back and get survivors. 
The boat's crew made that decision immediately, even at their, at their own peril. They could see people in the water, people swimming off the island. Uh, Hopkins, who was uh, manning the boat, is a New Zealand pastor. Um, and he was on the vessel with a day trip with his daughter, Liliani, who works uh, with the company as well. The 22, uh, 23 people who were brought on board, um, according to Mr. Hopkins, all had horrific burns. Skin falling off, hanging from fingers, chins, elbows, obviously in tremendous pain. Hopkins' daughter both trained in first aid. They did what they could. He said one crew member's look of expression will never be forgotten. She just looked up with tears in her eyes and said, we need all the help we can get. The newlywed couple I was speaking of, Matthew Ure, 36, and Lauren Barham, 32, are from Richmond, Virginia. They were on the island during a day trip from their honeymoon cruise on the Royal Caribbean Ovation of the Seas. Um, The woman could still talk uh, for a period of time before she passed out. She said, I remember I asked her name and she struggled to say it. He said it for her and said, she's my wife. She would ask, how's my husband? He would ask, how's my wife? Their love for each other touched him and he prayed for both to survive. There are times when I'm praying, he recalled, you are not going to die on the way back. You are not going to die. She looked up at the pastor and said, this is the worst day of my life. And I had to say, yes, it is, but you've got so much more life to live. And then she said, I think I'm not going to make it. And he said, you are going to make it. You're strong. You're a fighter. You're going to get through this. You've got a future. Yuri and Barham are being treated at two different hospitals, one in Christchurch and one in Auckland. New Zealand has four specialist burn units. They're now all full in the wake of the disaster. Um, the burns on this honeymoon couple are extensive and are going to require massive surgery. 80% burns on the body of the husband. Uh, 33% believed on the, on the wife. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a long, long recovery, but they are alive. Uh, there was a family of four that uh, died. A couple of boys. And, and actually, the mom was from the north side here. And they moved back to Australia where the dad was from for his job a few years ago. And they were in New Zealand visiting, also tourists, and all four of them died on White Island. And there's a couple of bodies uh, still left behind there. Uh, there's so much uh, carnage that's gone on that human skin has had to be ordered from the United States, 120 square meters of human skin, to treat the burns of these victims. It's incredible. And it's horrific. And there's an update just now coming into the newsroom on this, Steve. Um, New Zealand's military says it's going to embark uh, at dawn there. So it's 12.35, 12.45 in the morning in New Zealand. So when it uh, hits dawn there on Friday, it'll be Friday there, they're going to go back to the island to try to recover the uh, eight bodies that they believe are still there. And there's a renowned seismologist who said he believes the volcano is due for another eruption as soon as today. Now, there's a 40 to 60% chance of that. We're back with more in a moment. Coming up after six, Goodwill, top six at six. Pat Brady, Bridget Gaynor and Pat Brady after seven. Uh, Chuck Todd is on assignment today. Dean Richards after eight. Our t- today's today's Christmas card by phone is Annabelle. Annabelle! Um, and then uh, Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. Chicago's on Jane Lynch. She's at the uh, Rao uh, coming up a little bit later on. Speaking of Hockberg, Hockberg is sponsoring my New Year's Eve shows. At the Row and also at the Tivoli. Uh-huh. That's right. You're doing the day-night doubleheader, right? That's right. The day-night doubleheader. All right. You must pick one. You must pick one. Tell me which one you'd like to hear. I only have one minute here. What did I miss? We have that thought leader conversation. Oh, I forgot about that. We're going to save. You must pick one. <laughs> you forgot about the thought? 
the thought was. Remember, wrong. I wasn't here last Thursday. <laughs> but here are two of your stories, and I know you're going to like this: pigeons and tiny cowboy hats, and dogs that want to play fetch, and you don't want to. Those are the two stories, and two of the three anyway. Stand by for those. Uh, what do we need for an introduction for this, Steve? For the, uh, your thought leader conversation. Uh, I'd just say something like, uh, now here's the thought leader conversation sponsored by Associated Bank. Now here's the thought leader conversation sponsored by... You, you do it. You do it. Well, you, you do, do have to do it. He, he's throwing to himself, though. Yeah, I know. It's fun. Associated Bank. We're here this morning with David Fowler, SVP of Capital Markets at Associated Bank, and our thought leader conversation this morning. David, welcome back to WGN. Good morning. Steve, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it is Election Day in the U.K., and I know we want to start our conversation with that. We've uh, talked to you a number of times in the past about um, Brexit, the Britain's exit from the European Union, uh, the U.K. economy, and it all sort of comes to a head today with the election, doesn't it? It does, or at least... You know, as Churchill said, you know, this may not be the beginning of the end, but it could be the end of the beginning. Um, what we hopefully will get today is some kind of result where we get a majority or at least a majority or a clear minority government that will have a majority in combination with some of the smaller parties uh, so that some kind of decision can be made. And I think that's really what most people in the UK are looking for. It is, they are so tired of this whole, you know, Brexit performance that some kind of certainty, either they're going to leave or they're not going to leave. And there's going to be another referendum, but some kind of certainty. The polls say that Boris uh, Johnson is likely to win. Um, the polls have been wrong a couple of times in the past, though, in the UK. Well, they were spectacularly wrong the last time in 2017 with uh, Theresa May. Um, it's... Certainly, I think the Conservatives will remain the largest single party. The real question is going to be whether they get enough to hit that 326, which is um, the minimum for a majority. Um, as you know, there are 650 seats in the House of Commons. Um, one seat goes to the Speaker of the House. Uh, but 326 is really the minimum. That seems to be the, the real key. If the Conservatives come up close to where they are right now, which is just around 300 seats, then it's going to be another situation where can Labour get you know, the SNP, the Greens, and a few other people to coalesce with them in order to put them over the line to have a working majority. But there are a lot of people who, on the smaller parties, that won't coalesce with Labour. There are also a lot of people, a lot of, of the smaller parties that will not coalesce with the Conservatives, including the SNP, which will probably be the largest of the small parties, so to speak. Uh, the, uh, two of the, can the two major candidates, Corbyn and, and, and uh, Boris Johnson, they're not really like, neither of them are well-liked. So we have sort of a situation like it was in the United States in 2016, don't we? We do. Um, you know, it is the kind of the lesser of two evils in, for many people. Um, obviously, there are some real diehard supporters of both, but... Both candidates have been very alienated to alienating to large portions of the population. Um, you know, as, as was seen last week, I think it was, during a, a TV interview uh, when they had a debate and they were talking about trustworthiness and uh, Boris Johnson was asked, you know, does the truth matter? And he said, yes, of course. And the audience broke out laughing. Um, you know, not exactly what you need. And Corbyn has people have Cor issues with Corbyn, particularly with some of his stance on um, some of the more kind of extreme aspects of the Labour Party. 
Um, investors here in the United States will be watching the results of this very closely. They've been hoping to have some final say, uh, some final word on Brexit. Um, talk to us about why we need to be paying attention to this as global investors. Well, I think there's a couple of things, really. Um, the first one is that I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, but you know, as I kind of started off by saying this may be the beginning, at the end of the beginning, um, even if the Conservatives get a clear majority and the withdrawal agreement is passed um, and, you know, everything is ratified, this is only the beginning of the real process because the, neg- the negotiations between the UK and the EU on a kind of permanent trade basis start now and must end within this time next year. So there is a lot of uncertainty that's going to come between um, now and the end of next year. Uh, For investors, this is, you know, the UK is a large economy. Um, There are a lot of, you know, the US has got a lot of foreign direct investment in um, the UK. Um, But also, um, you know, while Brexit obviously is going to impact Britain, it's also going to impact on the European Union. Um, And we have potentially a trade war coming between the US and the EU. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think it's important to, to remember is that the U.S. exports three times as much um, to the European Union as they do to China. Um, imports from the European Union are roughly the same size as imports from China. So, you know, we all have kind of seen how the trade war with China has impacted on the economy here. Um, if something like this happens with the European Union, then, you know, and the Chinese situation hasn't been rectified, then it it, it it can be quite significant. David, how can people get a hold of you and have a one-on-one if they want? Uh, well, you can always call us on, on the trading desk, which is uh, 866-524-8836, or you can always email me on david.feller at associatedbank.com. David, always a great conversation. Thanks for coming in this morning. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. David Fowler is the SVP of Capital Markets at Associated Bank. It's our Thought Leader Conversation this morning, sponsored by Associated Bank. Now, the WGN Associated Bank Market Desk Outlook for Thursday, December 12th. Producer prices for November are due this morning. Analysts are forecasting an increase of one-tenth of a percent over October and 1.2% over November of last year. Producer prices at 7.30 this morning, Chicago time, along with weekly look at first-time claims for unemployment benefits. Economists expect to see uh, that uh, nearly 211,000 people filed initial claims last week, which would be about 8,000 more than the previous week. We'll also get a decision on uh, interest rates in the European Union today and, of course, the U.K. general election. Just some of the things that could move the markets on this Thursday, December the 12th. So again, I promise you at some point, pigeons in tiny cowboy hats, and Steve, you're going to love this one, an automatic fetch machine for your dog. Oh, man, I'm torn. See, you had me on the cowboy hats. That was going to be my pick, I think, and now I'm torn on this one, the automatic fetch. Because uh-huh. honestly, admit it, there's times, as much as you love your dog, or you don't want to play fetch. <laughs> I just want to watch watch my shows on TV and let him play out in the living room. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the dog comes in, and you, hey, hey, want to play fetch? Bull. Go the bull. Uh, coming up on News Time now, and then uh, we will do our uh, our Goodwill um, uh, gift thing. I think, I think this stuff is wrapped. We're going to open these white elephant gifts coming up uh, and uh, tell you how you can get some because this really is the best idea for your own white elephant. All right, here we go, 609. And the folks from uh, Goodwill want you to know if you need white elephant gifts, you ought to go there. They appreciate the fact that you appreciate them, and it's a great place to pick up your white elephant gifts. They can be fancy or not so much. 
Here's the uh, story, by the way. Many centuries ago, the king of Thailand made a practice of giving rare albino elephants to rulers of neighboring countries that displeased him. So they might be ruined by the animal's upkeep costs. Therefore, the hilarious presentation of the white elephant. All right, so everybody's got a white elephant gift, yes? Yes. We do. Let's tear. Oh, right now? Yep, right now. Oh. Oh, wait. I I have to use the scissors. No, you're not supposed to have scissors, Mary. Oh, my God, it's heavy. (laughs) Definitely don't run with those. How did you get a pair of scissors? We took all those away. I got something that you're definitely going to want here. I need them for protection. Oh, Oh, nice. Oh, cute. Nice. All right, so I got a golf game. It's called Old School Golf Swing. Aww. Oh, this is actually pretty cool. I also got a golf thing. What's yours? An electric putting partner. <laughs> do you golf? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, well, I do now, Mary. Yep. So when you putt, it shoots the ball back to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those bucks, are bro. fun, except you're probably going to play at work now. Um, that's what Kevin uh, did when he was on the show. He'd lay on the floor and he'd shoot the ball back to me when I put. Steve, what'd you get? Uh, it's called Old School Golf Swing. It's a uh, it's a game. You, it's basically a toss game. It's like Bozo's Buckets, but with a golf ball and, oh, and, a, wow. and a bucket. And Andrew, I have received a uh, micro baseball complete 1991 card set uh, from Tops, celebrating 40 years of baseball. These are mini picture cards. The 792 are included in this package. Lucky. Wow, <laughs> that's nice. many cards. That's cool. Yeah, many cards. I've never seen that before. I've never seen it either. But don't let your mom sell them. You know how that That's works. Moms point. always sell the baseball good cards. Point. Don't tell Dave. I'm going to take these. And Vivian, what'd you get? I got a martini glass. What? Hello. <laughs> Seems like that would have been meant for Annet. Yeah. <laughs> Want to trade? Did Annet get a gift? <laughs> yeah, Andy got Annet's gift. Annette's oh. gift. I'm taking it. Oh. for working today. Uh, so if you want uh, white elephant gifts, we highly recommend our friends at Goodwill to uh, get that done. All right? oh. Absolutely. Yeah. Did um, you see my guy? Yeah, what is what was heavy about it? He's a cookie jar, isn't he cute? Oh, that actually is nice. It's like that a gingerbread nice, yeah. man cookie jar. It was three ninety nine at Goodwill. They left the price tag mm, on. Pretty cool. What a shame that you can't. <laughs> what's a shame? What's a shame is you can't take it. What? <laughs> We're swapping. No, you get to keep it. You do get Aww. to keep it. Yeah. Oh, they cleaned it. Thank goodness. So, hey, good news. I've eliminated two of the top six uh, at six stories, and both of them very important news items. To throw in pigeons and tiny hats in the automatic fetch machine. So when we come back, those stories will be a part of the top six at six. But first, now for some more news. Ready? Welcome to the top six at six. What? On the Steve Cochran Show. That is great radio. This is your first look at what people, animals, and assorted fruits and vegetables <laughs> will be talking about today. <laughs> Item number one, if you live in Madison and thought a casino was coming right next to your kid's elementary school, not so fast. Officials in Madison could be looking for a redeal in their bid for a coveted South Suburban casino license. There have been weeks of complaints by groups that say the casino site is too close to schools. Officials said yesterday the Madison Village Board is expected to vote next week to choose a new site for the proposal within the Madison area. How are the kids who don't have driver's license supposed to gamble if the casino is not close to them? They can only bike so far. Uh-huh. Uber. <laughs> there should probably be a no casino zone around a school. Does seem logical. Next! <laughs> Metro CEO Jim Derwinski said yesterday that Metro's going to possibly end the practice of allowing passengers to pay cash fares after they board the train. So you know how that works. You hustle, you get on the train, and mm-hmm. you pay for your ticket on the train. You're going to have to have a credit card because the cash is taking too long. So, um, 
Derwinski said a cash-free system would allow conductors to eliminate some of the additional costs that come with working with cash. And a lot of times they're so busy, they just, you know, pass right over you. Just let you ride? Well. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a problem with this. Uh, the cash-free places, places that have gone cash-free, like, for instance, McDonald's, with these cash-free uh, kiosks that they have, uh-huh. they're actually losing business, losing lots of money from people who only deal with cash. And there are a lot of people that still do that. Yeah, there are people that don't want to deal with credit cards yep. and, and, and don't want to deal with paying the bill afterwards or, or racking up big interest rates. That's the one thing, by the way, if you use a credit card at McDonald's, pay the bill at the end of the month. Otherwise, your quarter pounder is going to cost you about <laughs> 75 bucks. Uh, next. A new concert venue is set to open next year, early next year, as a matter of fact, in Pilsen. 3,800 seats. So you're talking about Chicago theater size, maybe even bigger. Uh, the 300-seat radius will be part of the 55,000-square-foot multi-purpose event space. You've been over to Pilsen lately? There's a lot going on. I have not, no. Yeah. The building's exterior design features murals by Lefty Out There, uh, Thank You X, and Nichos. You familiar with that work? Uh, I'm going to get more familiar with them. Thought you might. Yep. Uh, next. For the first time in 40 years, General Mills is adding heart-shaped uh, 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 things to Honey Nut Cheerios and the original Yellow Box Cheerios. So, you know, you've got your regular Cheerio shapes. Right. Little Full circles. circles right. Oat, oat circles. They're going to do heart shapes as well. Go ahead. Ask me why. Why are they going to do heart shapes? Um, because they want to propel um, heart health conversations. Because uh-huh. I think we can all agree. When you get up in the morning, you're eating a bowl of Cheerios. Once you get your heart-shaped Cheerio, you're going to say... Hey, honey, let me take a minute here, and let's talk about my cardiovascular system. As you add more sugar to your Cheerios. Yeah. First off, could I get more sugar? <laughs> that always happened with the Lucky Charms, too, right? With the uh, Wasn't there a heart-shaped marshmallow in there? Well, they were magically delicious. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, by the way, that's coming in January, so please save all your heart health conversations until then. For the people at General Mills, okay. Okay, nice try. Next! <laughs> Well, there's an automatic fetch machine for your dog. You can find iFetch Original, which is ideal for small or medium dogs. That'll throw a ball 10, 20, or 30 feet. Cost you 115 bucks on Amazon. If you have a larger dog, look for iFetch 2, T-O-O. That's 200 bucks. This model has a rechargeable battery, can last up to 300 throws. The model can launch the ball 10, 24, or 40 feet, or a custom option if you don't have that much room and it's snowing outside and you want to do it in the house. They even offer slobber-proof balls. Because you know what it's like. You play fetch with your dog all day. You go pick up the nasty tennis ball, which has been slobbered on. Um, All of this from iFetch. If you uh, search iFetch on Amazon, you'll be able to get it. Steve, this looks like... Uh, it looks like a kid's toy, like a toddler's toy. It's a it's a, pl- a white plastic uh, oval shape, like a ball shaped deal, with a funnel on one end, and then a sort of a gun uh, uh, a barrel on the other end. What's the velocity of that thing? Not sure, but the mm. dog literally you train the dog to drop the ball in the funnel. It goes into the little circular ball shaped guy, and then fires out of that barrel. And the dog goes, runs it down, brings it back, and does it again. And then forgets you even exist. Yeah, then it just probably shoots out some food at the end, and that's it. You that's know, it. No You're more human done. needed. So, again, it's iFetch if you want to get that for your dog. And I promised you pigeons and tiny cowboy hats. I have them for you now. Las Vegas residents spotted two of these birds around town in tiny cowboy hats this week. Nobody seems to know how the birds got the hats. I would say you're drinking one night at the blackjack table. Next thing you know, you win a little money, you go out, you buy tiny cowboy hats, and you put them on. Who hasn't seen a pigeon playing blackjack? 
Uh, Mariah Hillman, co-founder of Lofty Hopes, a pigeon rescue group. Do we? Let me ask you a question. Do we need a pigeon rescue group? I'm going to go no. ahead and answer that. No. no. You don't want to rescue them? No. Uh, no. no. <laughs> you know why? There's a lot of pigeons. Yeah. They're yeah. very messy. Uh, anyway, when we saw them today, you could see some loose feathers in the glue around the hatch. He said, it's definitely a concern. I, a concern? It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, the rescue group put out traps to try to nab the birds. One of the birds was dubbed Chuck Norris in the red hat. The other was Calamity Jane in the pink hat. The birds have become their own social media sensation with Las Vegas residents looking out for the two pigeons with hats. This, There's no other explanation for this other than Bradley Cooper and uh, and one of his buddies, oh, yeah. Zach Galifianakis, uh, Zach Galifianakis yeah. were loaded, and they, they got tiny cowboy hats. They caught the pigeon. They put them on their heads. That was a great band in the 80s, though. Pigeons I, with hats. I just got to ask, how, how does this hat stay on its head? Well, they said it looked like it might have been glued. Oh. It has a little strap underneath, a little elastic strap. And once the pigeons are near a window or any sort of glass and they catch their reflective image, they go, look how jaunty I look. Wow. <laughs> I mean, how many, have you ever been happy you saw a pigeon? No. No. If you saw a pigeon in a tiny cowboy hat, you'd be happy. Now, are we are we sure this is real and this has not this is not trick photography? No, I'm looking at it. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's on the internet, Steve. I know you're I right. Who, who the put that hat on the pigeon? How'd you like that job? Again, Zach Galifianakis and Bradley yeah, Cooper. Yeah, the only ones. Drunk. Yeah, those are the ones. Uh, and that is your top six at six. That's all today for the top six at six. Come on. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. It's set for the second half of the six o'clock hour. Woo, six twenty-four already. The Steve Cochran Show on seven twenty WGN. All right. So a couple of baseball questions here for our baseball man, okay. Andy Mazur. Uh, the winter meetings are about to end. Correct. We've had three gigantic signings. Mm-hmm. None of them have affected our teams. Uh, no, not directly. I mean, okay. the the one uh, that happened last night, Anthony Rendon. Third baseman signing with the Angels uh, could set forth uh, a domino effect as far as third baseman is concerned, and might uh, might see Chris Bryant moved if if uh, the dominoes fall in the right places. Is there a new rule where everyone has to make thirty five million a year since these three deals are all coming down to that? Um, only if your agent is Scott Boris, uh-huh. who has accounted for, as we counted uh, off the air. Almost $900 million in deals this winter. Which, based on your basic 10% agent commission, is $90 million for him in a week. Correct. Now, that's over the course of years, but right. still. Uh, it's a good week, either way. He had a really good week. So, how did teams... Can, look, I know how much it costs to run a baseball team. Mm-hmm. I've seen the books. Um, the profit margins are not what people think, because no. it's extremely expensive to do 81 games a year of big old stadiums. Yep. Food, beverages, and obviously the big expense, the cost of the players. Yep. How can you afford to play, pay a guy $1 million a game, and that's what these pictures are going to be making? comes down to two letters, T and V. Is the TV deal that good? Pretty much. I mean, the, the deal that uh, the league got with Fox uh, a few years ago was in the billions. So it gets distributed equally through the uh, 30 clubs. And, uh, you know, the, each team has their own deals as well where they can make some cash. And, uh, you yeah, know, we end up paying for it. I mean, if you go to a baseball game, you're going to pay for it. Well, the Cubs are going to have to have 
a big buy-in from fans on their new network. Exactly. Do we know how much the network's going to cost for cut pens? I don't. I have not seen. I've a, heard nine bucks a yet. month, yeah. something like that. And I've heard even if you don't want it, you're still going to end up paying something for it because the cable company has to carry it. So they make a part of the standard carriage sure. fees. Yeah. All right. So uh, the White Sox end of this mm-hmm. is they their games will still be on uh, NBC Sportsnet. Correct. NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, and, of course, here in 720 WGN. Of course. You don't really need the video. Nah. Yeah, just listen to the games here. Um, and the White Sox, uh, I remember last year in spring training in Arizona, standing in Arizona, telling those guys, I said, this team's got a shot at 500. Well, not yeah. quite. They were 20 under. Is this a 500 team this year or better? This could be a 500 team, maybe even a little better. If the, Again, health is the biggest issue, and with this team, pitching is always an issue. And it, You'll get that with any team, obviously. Uh, you I can't know, be in a position where you have to score six runs every game. Correct. And I know a lot of fans are are upset about the fact that uh, the only deal that got made was the Nomar Mazzara trade. But uh, you know, keep in mind as well that just because it's the winter meetings doesn't mean you have to do the deal there. A lot of deals are set up there and executed weeks later. So beginnings of deals. Correct. Okay. So who would you say if the White Sox were to get anybody in the near future it would be? Well, I mean, there's still some free agents out there that uh, that, that they're interested in, at least from what, what you read and what you hear. I mean, Nicholas Castellanos is one guy that's, that's out there still, uh, a right fielder that uh, can play a little baseball, as they saw on the north side yes, uh, last year. Uh, there's other there's other guys out there. And you, don't, you don't know exactly what teams are thinking about who will be available through a trade until all the dust settles from the meetings and they find out if they've got, A, the money to – Sign a free agent, or if they uh, need to make a trade. And let me ask you this, and then we'll uh, break for news. Okay. Um, if the uh, White Sox do make a uh, major deal, is that a signal they're going for it this year? Yeah, I would think it is because the the division's down. Uh, the division is not in uh, in a place where there's no reason to believe Minnesota is going to win 100 games. It's it's going to be difficult for them to do, to repeat that. And obviously, Cleveland is kind of uh, thinking about trading their their top player too, Francisco Lindor. So we'll see how that works out. Chris Bryant's available. Can the White Sox make a run at him? Yeah, it would be really interesting, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, Yoan Makata has played second base before. Yeah. yeah. All right. Say thanks for all that. Coming up, why does Santa live in the North Pole? First, let's say hi to our friend Pat Brady. Good morning, Pat. Morning, guys. How you doing? Doing fine. How are you? I'm good. I learned something new this morning. I congratulated Andy on the 12 days of Hanukkah. That was nice. <laughs> it was only eight. So thank you. So basically, yeah. that's, that's Hanukkah and a half. Is what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, your your eight and uh, candled uh, um, <laughs> situation must yeah. be quite something. So I apologize, Andy. You, hey, no problem. Um, all right, so uh, just a couple of quick things on this impeachment process as it goes forward. What happened last night? Well, there was a debate, opening statements on the they call it the markup. It's basically they're drafting up the language of the articles of impeachment, which there will be two. Which, in criminal law terms, that's basically the indictment against the president. So if the indictment against the president is obstruction of Congress and abuse of power, isn't there specific language that already goes with that? Yeah, but then they put in more specificity what the actual... What um, he did. What he actually did. So the abuse of power relates to the phone call and the actions with Ukraine. The um, obstruction of Congress deals with the fact that he told people not to testify or help the committee that's investigating this because his counsel said that this is a sham proceeding basically the president says i don't recognize this as being a legitimate proceeding the republicans today are trying to do what to stop it uh basically throw as much mud against the wall as they can they can't stop it it's this this is like watching a harlem globetrotters game <laughs> the globetrotters are gonna win the republicans are the washington generals exactly. in this analogy and the, the, this is they're gonna win and so they're gonna vote i think tonight to vote out of out of the um judiciary committee for then for a floor 
full House vote. That, it needs 21 votes, so 50 plus one to get out of the House Judiciary. It goes to the House floor where there'll be a big debate, a long debate, and you need 50 plus one there to um, 218 for the articles to be uh, agreed to or pass. There's a, um, a Democrat majority on the committee as well? Yeah, twenty four seventeen. Because you have the majority in Congress. Yeah. Or in Democrat. the House, I should say. Yeah. They call it the ruling party controls all the process. Okay. So it gets out of the House probably Monday, Tuesday, and goes to the Senate. The Senate then gets out of Washington late in the week, and McConnell tables it till January? Probably, yeah. Uh, there's a lot there's of t- nobody in the Senate that wants to stay over Christmas. Yeah. Well, they work hard. <laughs> uh, so the uh, McConnell news today uh, revolves around a number of things, and one of them doesn't make any sense to me. But it seems, and Steve, jump in on this if you have a different read, but McConnell not only wants to um, not throw Trump out of office, um, and there's no reason to believe Republicans will defect and do that, he also wants to uh, find a way to clear Trump's name in this, which, Steve, I read is like the equivalent of an expungement of the impeachment that he's about to face. Yeah, I think the Constitution is pretty clear on how this is supposed to work, and Pat would know better than I do, but I think what I learned in school about the Constitution is you have a trial and you either convict or you acquit, and that's the only choice the Senate has, right? Uh, That's my understanding, too, and I think it would be unusual for the Senate to be able to overrule or expunge an action of of the House. It's it's all laid out in the Constitution, not in great detail. There's a lot of wiggle room, but that's that's a unique... Uh, approach, but the reality is McConnell wants this Senator McConnell done as quickly as possible. So maybe just arguments and not witnesses. And the president is saying that he wants a full blown trial. He wants to testify, which is completely ridiculous. He does not want to testify. He does not want a full blown trial. They want this done. And I think right now, uh, if you want to check out winners and losers in this process, I think the Republicans actually have won through this process in both public opinion and and, and the local races that matter. And, and and with the president, whether you agree or disagree with what they did or how what the president did politically, I think the Republicans are going to come out ahead on this. In the long game here, um, what's the first thing you think of when I say Bill Clinton? Well, that's the there's a couple of ways. The historical perspective of this, he's going to be the third president of the 45 we've had that's actually been voted uh, had impeachment impeached. articles voted to get impeached. and. Yeah. I think historically, Bill Clinton, the way they said it, they don't talk about partisanship. They talk about the allegations themselves. It was about a, a line about under oath about an affair with an intern. But I think with President Trump, I think it's going to be more damage to him long term legacy wise, because this is all about actions with a foreign government trying to get them to interfere with our, our elections. I think historically, 50 years from now, they're going to look back and this will look worse for him than it did for Clinton. We'll come back and uh, tell you why Santa lives at the North Pole, Andy. I'm on the edge of my seat. Well, yeah, I'll tell you why. Coming up. You know, there's good schools. Yeah, well, that's true. Good values. Good neighborhood of snow. Yeah. You can check out Santa's Place on Zillow. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) We have tickets for Beauty and the Beast at the Paramount uh, coming up this morning. Also, a $100 gift card to Four Winds Casino, New Buffalo. All right, kids. Sit around the radio. Oh, you're driving? And uh, let me tell you why Santa Claus lives at the North Pole. Do you know? Why Santa Claus lives in the North Pole? Anyone? 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 No. It's far away from everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the typical Mary Vandeveld well, answer. Well, no. He has to concentrate and he has to oversee everybody. So he doesn't want to be near the in-laws? Yeah. <laughs>
Right. According to a recent, uh, before I get to it, I get to this. According to a recent report, 83% of U.S. consumers plan to shop online for holiday gifts this year, but the FBI perceived and received nearly 300,000 online theft complaints in 2017, with reported losses totaling $1.4 billion. Before you click the buy button this holiday season, remember that some websites are created by people who just want your credit card data and other personal information. It's important to understand how cybercrime is affecting our lives. Identity theft is a serious issue. Someone's identity is stolen every two seconds, and you could miss certain identity threats if you're only monitoring your credit. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your Social Security number for sale on the dark web. And while we know nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, we know this. LifeLock's going to see stuff that you're going to miss on your own. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK. Or head to lifelock.com, use a promo code lifelock. Be like me, be a member. I rarely encourage you to be like me. But I'm telling you now, be like me. Be a member of Lifelock. The promo code lifelock at lifelock.com for up to 25% off. Use a promo code WG or promo code lifelock at 1 800 lifelock. That's a promo code lifelock at 1 800 lifelock or lifelock.com. Here's a story. Um, you know, I mean, Santa, we, we've always known that Santa lives at the North Pole. And according to Smithsonian.com, a cartoonist named Thomas Nast, who, by the way, is the same guy that came up with the donkey and the elephant symbols for the two political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. What was the symbol for the Whig Party? Like George Washington's wig? That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, he borrowed imagery from Clement Moore's uh, 1823 poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. And Nass then, um, and I want to be careful how I say this, because if we have any young talk radio listeners here, I want to make sure that I'm careful with this. Nass then helped discover Santa, the all-around jolly guy today, and showed him passing out gifts to Union soldiers as they returned home from war. So in other words... So we didn't. We didn't discover Santa until 1863. Did you know that? Did not know that. What did kids in 1850 do? They didn't even know about Santa. They'd wake up in the morning. There'd be presents. They didn't even leave them out beef jerky or whatever they had then for snacks. Did they have Saint Nicholas? I don't know. Why I had know. him. I just feel badly for the kids of 1850. The cartoons, as described, were so popular that Nass branched out his source material and began adding details to the innovation of the, the discovery of St. Nick. On a December 29, 1866 issue of Harper's Weekly, there's a multi-image cartoon called Santa Claus and His Works. includes a small inscription along the circular border that reads, Santa Clausville, NP. Now, the New York Times, we don't know exactly when they added this, said NP stands for North Pole. Nast didn't argue. Ah. So between the New York Times, the cartoonist... And our own imaginations, Santa Claus lives at the North Pole. Now, if you've ever been to the North Pole, and it's beautiful this time of year, uh, you can't get into Santa's place. It's a gated community. Oh. You know, you got another guy at the guardhouse. I've seen it from the air, flying to Hong Kong. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fly right over, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Santa Claus, <clears throat> always widely associated with snow because most of the publishing companies producing Christmas cards and other content were located in New England. And wintertime seemed right. You know, it wouldn't be right if they said... July 14th is Christmas. You know, Santa Claus comes out in a Tommy Bahama shirt and Bermuda shorts. <laughs> oh, wouldn't be a good look for That's him. It's not a good look. That's not what you no. want. And instead of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know. Be I mean, a camel. 
camels and <laughs> no, is there it's cold the cause of the nose or I've got some relatives that have red noses, but I don't think Rudolph's a drinker. <laughs> no, I really don't. Um and Santa Claus from that point on caught on and nation to nation, uh country to country, town to town. Santa Claus lived at that point from the North Pole. And you know, it's it's kind of worked out. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe the NP meant northern Persia or something. <laughs> <laughs> Nurse practitioner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, of course it meant North Pole. And do you remember at one age you thought you heard Santa? Because we all thought we heard Santa at one point or another. Seven, eight years old, six years old. You still hear Santa. Hear a little rattling around? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you hear Santa because Santa's real. Uh-huh. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, my kids still do lists. Yep. As they should. Um, and uh, you guys, you guys are going to get a visit from Santa uh, coming up uh, before the end of next week. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And Santa, uh, at this point, and I talked, and we're both tired of trying to figure out creative items for each one of you. So this year you're all getting canned hams. Yes. Remember canned hams? Canned hams used to be a Christmas thing. With the spiral key. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> crank, crank, right. crank, crank. <laughs> And now it's, all the water comes out. Yeah. Now it's Ew. just a retro beer. Can. And you get a ham. Oh, can. H A M M S. Look at you. Smack yourself. I can't reach you from here. Ow. It's uh, 6.53. So there you go. That's why Santa lives in the North Pole. And I think the, big, the biggest uh, bit of news that you got out of that is Santa's only been known to us when he was discovered in the uh, early 1860s. And you think this show's not educational. Show number 1501. Continues in a moment on 720 WGN. Uh, something called Review.com has come up with the 20 best gifts of the year. Would you like to know what they are? You know, you still got some shopping to do. Nobody's do done shopping, shopping are they? No, no way. Yeah. Um, and uh, most of these are names you'll know. Uh, Apple AirPods comes in uh, on the 20 best gifts. The Instant Pot. Isn't it the Instapot? Instapot, yeah. Yeah. Still big. Um, the RoboVac, this is called E-U-F-Y, the Eufy RoboVac 11S. So this isn't the one that you always hear about, the Roomba? It's not mm-hmm. like my Hazel. Hazel's the Roomba? My husband's Hazel, yes. <laughs> you sure Hazel's not code for something? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Eufy RoboVac from Amazon is 239 I think the Roomba's more than that. Yep. You know. uh, the Away suitcase, this is from the Away Travel Company. Is that the one you can plug in your phone to? Yeah, but I will warn you that a lot of airlines are telling you you can't, uh, you know, check batteries anymore. So just be aware of that. Uh, something called the gravity blanket, weighted blankets, and become increasingly popular. The gravity blanket is a heavy blanket that help you take your little nap. The Kindle Paperwhite made the list. This is the best e-reader out there, they say. And the Paperwhite makes the letters pop off the page if you don't see like you used to. The Straub, I'm sorry, Staub, as in Rusty Staub, S-T-A-U-B, the Staub cast iron 5.5 quart round coquette, or C-O-C-O-T-T-E, what is that, cocotte, cocotte? You're looking at the wrong person for that. It's a cooking pot. What did you say? What was it, C-O what? Were you listening to another show? No, I spell it again. C-O-C-O-T-T-E. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Cocotte? Um, it's, a, uh, it's, a the one, it's Dutch is what it is. A Fitbit Charge 3, said to be the best, uh, buy for your money fitness tracker. It's a hundred bucks. I think I'm getting one of those, maybe. 
The Sonos One speaker. If you're looking for one of these uh, small speakers, you can pop around anywhere. Uh, Boots from L.L. Bean. These are all Christmas gifts people will love, according to Reviewed.com. An Ancestry DNA kit. I have to say, when I bought all you guys, uh, the women on the show, I got them all the 23andMe thing, Mm -hmm. the women and me. Um, And you remember one of the things they said about me was that I had like a... 68 and 70% chance of having a sprinter body type. That's pretty much when the credibility went out the window. <laughs> Did you like that 23 and me? Did you do anything with it, Mary? I found out I was in Neanderthal. Yeah, well, we knew that. <laughs> the Echo Show 5. The Echo Show 5 is like a baby monitor, as far as I'm concerned. It provides a compact design, bonus of a screen. It's basically a smaller, more affordable version of the previous show, next level up from the dot. Small screen makes it easy to see timers, get news updates, make video calls, things like that. Uh, the Inno Greer, uh, the Inno Gear, I should say, upgraded diffuser. You know, what diffuser is aromas that spray. Oh out yeah, of your yeah, room. yeah. A lot of guys want one of those. Uh, I want two. The Philips Air Fryer Double XL. For good things about the air fryers. Yep, throw them in. The Roku Steamy, uh, streaming, <laughs> Steamy, the Roku Streaming Stick from the people at Roku. Sony noise-canceling headphones, a rapid egg cooker from a company called Dash, Technovore M- Mocha Master. Uh, this is, a, again, a, a coffee maker, making your favorite mochas. The Ninja Fit Personal Blender, making one glass at a time. A lot of appliances. Yeah, a ton of them. So, at any rate, those are things that are guaranteed to not get taken back. As far as we know. It is 710, two of my favorite people in studio. Bridget. <laughs> and Andy. And her imaginary friend. And Andy. Uh, Bridget Gaynor, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Excellent. I brought my imaginary friends. <laughs> yeah, good. Just in case. Yeah, I, see them I just saw Bridget last Friday at the big Irish fellowship exactly. lunch. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Bridget was at an Irish function? <laughs> She's like the mayor. And you walk so, around. So, there's, so Bridget, more, there's Bridget. More importantly, uh, Pat sat next to my youngest sister and gave her a you know a tip on how to maintain a, a 0.9 alcohol level at a, at a long family party in case you need to, like, you know, can't fall asleep. Can't get boisterous. It's a real balance. How do you, how do you, yeah. It is a balance. Get, well, uh, and Brother Kevin's helped me with this. It's two glasses of wine right out of bed and just stay there all day. <laughs> <laughs> but then you never get every, It's a good holiday. Do you pour them into Cheerios or you just have them straight? Well, whatever, what, whatever. whatever it takes. You know. you. Yeah, no question. Um, J.B. Pritzker, the governor, did something last night that uh, I don't know. You guys may have seen coming. I didn't see coming. He gave five million bucks to a committee that's trying to push forward his tax plan. Anything funky there? Well, you know, I mean, it's his money. It is his money, and he believes in it, and he put a lot of political capital. So, some people put political capital, some people put financial capital. I guess, you know, would we? You could say that someone who calls upon the relationships or other things they've been able to do for people over the course of time to get them to go along with the program, is that any more transparent, less transparent, more okay, less okay? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I think really he's don't know. Right out there, everyone knows what he thinks about it. It's not like you have to wonder what his agenda is. And I always feel like if you know someone's agenda, it's half the battle. This is the vote yes for fairness committee. It was formed in August, and the governor's five million will go towards putting out, you know, propaganda. No, putting out commercials and different things to support his uh, his tax plan. Yeah, no problem with that. But the tax plan is they're going to amend the Constitution of the state of Illinois to make it a graduated income tax so Springfield gets to determine what the tax rates are. It won't be a flat tax like it is now. So their argument is going to be the argument that the governor is going to make, and I agree with Bridget, he's been very 
transparent about this is we need to tax the higher earners, but then they're going to leave it to Springfield. You're going to trust Springfield to determine what who are higher earners and how much they should be taxed. <laughs> Am I nuts? Well, in general, well, yes. In general, I mean, what like narrow it down for us? Why not fix the tax code mm-hmm. so that the high earners have to pay? And the people in between pay a fair uh, share as well, How as opposed to just saying we're going to collect as much as we can from rich people. Well, that's that's fundamentally the argument. I think. It is but the argument. That is what they are saying, which is if you make more, you pay more. If you make in the middle, you pay something that you can afford. And if you don't make much, if anything at all, then you shouldn't pay much, if anything at all. That but these is folks are the supposed to be plan. these folks are supposed to be politically savvy, <laughs> are approaching it completely wrong. If you talk about fixing the tax code as opposed to the rich people are the bad people, yeah. That's a different argument. Well, and that's the, what Bridget just explained, too, that that's going to leave it to Springfield now to determine who's wealthy and who's not. Well, it's not like they don't handle money well, Pat. Well, exactly. I mean, the, if there was one proposal, I think anybody over sixty grand would see a tax increase. But just on the other side of the aisle, uh, maybe it would be nice if we had a discussion about running government more efficiently. Maybe we can fix our pension system, which is mm-hmm. the driver of all our debt and deficit. But we don't hear much about that lately. I always remember, what, 10, 12 years ago, the whole thing on the ballot was going to be a combo, which was you're going to reform pensions and you're going to change the tax code. And the two of them went together. And now, um, you know, and I think, you know, one of the questions you have to ask yourself as a, as a Republican, and you may have a view, is why are there so few Republicans elected in the state? And, and is it gerrymandering? Is it just that the state's gone totally blue? Is it not enough candidates? Because it... It's never good to not have balance, and we don't. No, have that's balance. and that we're we're seeing now in these corruption investigations that it's 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 not good to not have balance because there's no accountability. I, I agree completely. To answer your question, in 2010 we elected two constitutional officers. We I think we picked up eight or nine in the House, three or four um, in the uh, Illinois Senate, and, and Mark Kirk won President Obama's mm-hmm. old Senate seat. So it wasn't that long ago. In fact, in the 90s when we actually Lee Daniels was Speaker of the House, so I think it's a combination of gerrymandering. But back to that issue you mentioned, if you truly want to reform the tax code, then you need to also amend the Constitution to reform that provision, which doesn't allow uh, diminishing pension benefits. It's not that you don't want to honor promises, but we just can't afford it. As you know, Bridget, you work this every day. We can't afford it. Let's pick that up when we come back. And uh, we also have this little impeachment thing going on, which is fairly big. Um, it's, it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, it's impeaching the President of the United States, and everybody goes... So what no, are you guys having they, for dinner? They voted to impeach the president, and then they passed his massive trade bill on the same day. Right. It's kind of like, I want a divorce, but let's go to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hello. It's uh, 719. All right, so this uh, the Springfield uh, scandal situation, uh, we seem numb. We seem just numb to, of course, there's trouble. If there wasn't trouble everywhere in politics, then we'd be paying attention. So what is actually going on with scandal, reform? Is Madigan in trouble? What's happening? Yeah, uh, long story short, increasingly clear the scope of this federal investigation, which has been going on for a long time, appears to be focused on the Speaker of the House. Um, This is a guy who somehow has managed to stay on the edge of uh, getting into trouble for his entire career. Why now? Well, I think you've had a you had a very aggressive prosecutor in, in John Lausch and the previous Zach Farden, who was the previous uh, U.S. attorney. I, I I just think that the the the, the chips kind of fallen in place where there's people now they they wiretapped his top um, aide uh, Mike McClain. There have been several several other um, raids. I think people are cooperating, and what the focus seems to be is how Springfield operates, and I think they're trying to piece that together. And 
in in some kind of criminal charging. Now, I, I don't know where they are. I don't know if, if they're ever going to get there, but that's clearly where they're going. Okay, you two have been around politics a long time. You have every right to be jaded about the process. Is this a legitimate effort to finally clean things up and, and, and you know send some messages so that things change, or is it just a temporary fix? Look, I, I think that, you know, and I, and I think it remains to be seen whether or not the the speaker actually told, I mean, the, to me, some of the most egregious things that have gone on have been like, you know, lobbyists that want to curry favor giving money to the guy who was sexually harassing one of the staffers. But th- there's no evidence that the speaker ever actually told people to do that. Are you, do you have a bunch of people whose livelihoods depend on hanging around outside of this rail who say, I'm going to do something because I think it's going to be a good thing, even if it makes absolutely no sense. And anyone who thought for four seconds would have stopped and said, you know, that's bananas. So you have all of these free actors out there. The question is, can you actually prove that someone was directing them? Wasn't that the core? I think it's a big effort and I think it's real. And I think that things will change. And I think they're going to have to because, yeah, I, I don't think people feel about Springfield now the way they did 10 years ago. Yeah, it's already changed. But the, the component that Bridge is talking about is just a minor component of it. The bigger one is whether or not uh, relates to ComEd and the rate increase in the 2016 uh, legislative year, whether or not they were occurring favor with the speaker and his people by putting people in no-show jobs, hiring people that were on the speaker staff and yesterday the big story uh, was in the hill reported that they're now actually asking questions and i don't know what the answers are about the role of the speaker's son in selling municipal um, insurance to entities all over the state so to me the way this looks as a guy that used to do this for a living that looks like they're putting together a rico case which is and that and when bridget says we don't have evidence that the speaker actually told somebody that that's what the purpose of this statute is. You get a, a, a criminal enterprise. That's what takes it from shady to illegal. Well, shady to illegal is, is an intent thing. I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but that's how these these cases are put together. And insofar as, and but I'm not, talking about apparent shady to illegal. Shady being, well, he shouldn't have done it. It looks bad, but he did it. It's not technically illegal. Well, if you're using your position. Um, to curry favor for yourself, meaning you're going to get your political operative jobs, you're going to get your son work, that's an, that's illegal. And th- again, I agree with Bridget, they're a long way from getting there, but I think that's where they are going. But this is the first one I've seen in recent times where the, the focus is clearly... And no connection between the alderman and Ed Burke uh, to Springfield? No, Separate not, not apparently, but they could all be linked. Depends on how they want to charge it up. I, I don't think there is, but there's the Sandoval investigation, and then there's the what they're looking at with the speaker, which is more related to ComEd, and that's where they did the search warrant at City Club and and some uh, some other places. So, but again, long way from being there. But I don't necessarily agree that they're going to have to get somebody saying the speaker directed me to do this. If you create that culture, it's known that everybody you have to behave this way in order to curry favor with the speaker and get your legislation through. I think that would could be enough. This is not apples to apples, obviously, but Charles Manson was convicted for six murders. He never killed anybody. Well, and isn't this the core of the Trump wow, problem? Wow, that was a quick leap. Charles, well, I mean, I'm saying that, by the way, I'm, Charles Manson I, was only Illinois Speaker for two years. Um, but uh, so who is Sharon Tate in this story? Uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to cast that. Uh, uh, the uh, Trump situation is the same: direct evidence versus circumstantial. Because all these guys, if they're proven to be guilty, seem to be. I'll tell you to do something. 
you'll go out and do it, and then I'll deny I had anything to do with it. And that's what the RICO statute was enacted for, to take down the mobs in, in the 70s, and that's how they used it, and they used it effectively. But this argument that direct evidence is better than circumstantial is nonsense. Most cases are proven on circumstantial evidence. And in the Trump matter, there's plenty of direct evidence, including an admission by his chief of staff that we do this all the time. Yeah, I remember sitting on a jury where a woman on the jury said, how could I convict him? I wasn't there. Well, we're judging evidence, direct and circumstantial, to make that decision. Hold on. I'm sorry. Look, look, I I think that the, the, the investigation will play itself out. The thing that I think is actually more important is how are you changing the incentives for people to behave that way? So when you leave your office in Springfield, why isn't there a prohibition of a certain period of time before you can go back and lobby your former colleagues? So if there was, or how about being an elected official and lobbying other government entities? A hundred percent. So if you take away the incentive for people to do the things they shouldn't be doing and you make that part illegal, then you don't have to worry about what happens three or four levels beyond that. When you leave the legislature, there's a cooling off period that's substantial enough that you can't go right back in. Two years? Two years, three years, who who knows? But the point is, you want to have a citizen legislature that's filled with people who do lots of different things. You want doctors, you're obviously going to always have some lawyers, you want people in business, you want people who have done a whole range of things. You don't want it to make the most sense in the whole world for you to become a lobbyist. Because people are rational and they're going to seek out the things that benefit them the most. And if that's the problem, then cut that off of the pass and stop trying to influence things, you know, five But wouldn't that rule have to be made by the people who are benefiting most from that rule? Yeah, well, and no, I think they're going to make it. The legislators, and they will, and I agree with that reform, but the reality is what they're looking at here really is not lobbyist behavior. This is behavior from the, if, if, if you believe where the feds are going or where I described, it's not lobbyist behavior. This is elected official behavior. Mm-hmm. Too yep. much power concentrating in one person and abuse of that power. Right, but there was a lot of people who were considering, if you look at that 2016 legislation, they were on the committees that were considering that legislation and then left and went to work for comment. So there's, if you know that you can do something in a short period of time, sure, it may affect your behavior. Absolutely. And there was money that was paid to uh, entities that um, I think was probably that's passed throughs to, to. But this is where it's occurring favor with the guy in charge. That I mean, again, these are just this is just where the investigation is going. I'm not saying they've proven that yet, but I know that the lobbyists are taking the hit on that. And I'm a lobbyist and I, I'm all for all that legislation, but that doesn't solve the problem that happened here. It's 727. We'll take a break. Come back, get your headlines. And yes, we'll get to that little impeachment story uh, as well on 720 WGN. Coming up on News Time here, and then we'll come back more with Bridget Gaynor and uh, Pat Brady. And the uh, question that uh, is out there, is it okay or isn't it okay? That's what it comes down to. Is it okay or isn't it okay? You can really apply that to anything in politics. Is it okay or isn't it okay? Bridget Gaynor and uh, Pat Brady are here. Eric Adelson's on assignment. We don't. We don't know where he hasn't been on in a couple of weeks. Has Eric quit the show, Super Joe? Do we know what's the report? He has not responded to me in weeks. Okay. Right. Also, I haven't texted him. I think Viv is the one that talks to him. All right, we'll get into negotiations with Eric. We like Eric. He too. just had his birthday, so happy birthday, Eric. Yeah, no, he'll be back. We're just teasing. Um, all right, so uh, a lot of what uh, the Republican argument seems to be, and Pat, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, in regards to this impeachment is, um, yeah. But others have done it. It's not It's not only okay, it's not a big enough deal for an impeachment. Is this enough distraction and noise to make people look away from the fire? Yeah, I think they've had success with that, just diluting the argument. Like Bridget mentioned, the, the legislation that passed. But the Republicans, I think, wisely dropped the Horowitz report right in the middle of this. 
so it distracts people's attention away from that to bad conduct by the FBI that's yeah, um, explained in that report. So, yeah, I think they have had some success, but they never argue the substance of what the president did as being proper. They just argue things around it, and that's typically what you do if you're a defense attorney is throw as much mud against the wall as possible. How, how are people not supposed to be cynical? I think they probably are. I'm not sure if they're not tuned out, too. And, and this just drives more people away. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could count on one hand the number of times in the last six months where you'd go, well, this is good for the, the voters. This is good for America. No, and I think there's a lot of politics involved here. You see Lindsey Graham, who was one of McCain's guys, up there leading the charge yesterday on all these allegations and things he's saying. But I don't think it has anything to do with the right or wrong. I think Lindsey Graham probably thinks that Trump's not going to win and he wants to be the nominee of the Republican Party in 2020. I think Ted Cruz is doing the same thing because... These are smart guys. I, and if you listen to what they say, it's nonsense. They're smart and totally craven and self-interested. Yeah, that's a, so. I mean, like, yeah, I, you I know, agree. Look, this is the this is the general thing. I don't think like the world is changing. People are more cynical. They're more checked out. I think ninety nine percent of the time, people are interested in what's happening in their own life, their own job, their own kids, or whatever. This thing is happening in the background, and at some point, you have to stop and intervene. But up until that point. You're like, it's playing out, and it's fine, and I don't have to pay attention yet. And I think that that's what this is, and it's not a abdication of our role as citizens. But do you think that it's uh, odd, because it does feel odd to me, that we're not paying attention to an impeachment? Well, look, I was I I remember the Bill Clinton impeachment, and I'll be honest with you, I felt like that was a little bit bananas, because the subject matter was so not important to the nation. Lying under oath? I mean, come on. Like, are you, are you comparing these two things? Well, yeah, because lying under oath is a, is a felony. And he lied. It's clearly lied yeah. under I'm not, you know, I'm just not, I'm not defending Donald Trump, I, I, but he, look, he lied I, under oath. I think mean, it's So all, I, I guess my contact, I, I wasn't in the first, I didn't pay attention. I wasn't around the first couple. I was on that committee. Were I'm just you? kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I have no context to figure out, you know, I was, I was younger then and, and wasn't really thinking of it in the same way so i don't know if this feels very different than the clinton impeachment i just think that that we have an election coming up people know that they can make their own choice to exit this guy out of office as they want and the the biggest part of the entire thing for me is are the democrats going to put forward somebody who enough of the people around this country are going to look at and say yeah you know what I'm comfortable with that woman or man well as i said before if the democrats cannot figure out how to beat donald trump twice good night no, it's, you know, I mean, so you have some people who are way too far to the left, and then, you know, you have some people in the middle, but I, I don't know if they're going to, you know, Buttigieg is really young, and Biden's really old, and is there a, is there some way in the middle that we can bring this party together? I don't know. I don't see it yet. Um, no, I don't know that I do either, uh, but the cynical side of voters means that do, do we have 100 million people that don't vote again? That's what happened in 2016, 100, I think 100 million people didn't turn out in this election. I don't think it's going to. I think it's going to be enormous amount of turnout. Yeah, I think. I think the thing that suppressed a lot of voter turnout is that people just assumed Hillary was going to win. So why bother? And, and that's, that's why, why she lost in the and states that she lost. That's why she lost. But it was an assumption of a total victory, as opposed to I don't care. 
It was now, like, she's I talking don't need about making a comeback. That, that's ex- as a Republican. She, that's great for fundraising. She, she's going to run. Oh, is this the Howard Stern interview? No, but she's you. Every day you read another quote from. Well, oh, you know, I'm getting a deluge of phone calls that people are dying for me to run. I'm not sure if that's just from. There was a family, poll. But, no, there was a poll this week. I don't remember the source, but it was a legitimate poll that put her in the top three Democrats right now. I mean, it's not hard to believe based on name recognition, but I can't fathom a scenario where the Democrats would go no one more run with Hillary. No way. No way. That's been Oh, my God. You know what, though? If, if Trump loses and the, the Democrats do win and we, the Republicans keep the Senate, the, the gridlock and the fighting is just going to continue. Well, but that's just it. When does it end where there's actual good being done and their jobs are being done for the good of others? Because the thing, I, you know, I always fall back on this. I've asked Senator Durbin this. How good is the job, really? Because a lot of your colleagues have to go home and they have to look at wives or husbands and grandchildren, children, and they have to explain why they've sold out at a level that's so transparent. I don't get it. Where's the self-worth? Where is any sort of pride in in ownership other than the fact that you get a nice table in Georgetown for a steakhouse? Yeah, I think, though, and Bridget knows a lot of the same people. I do believe there are a lot of very good, including Senator Durbin, very good public servants. Well, I'm not I mean, knocking Durbin. I'm not knocking. I mean, but there are a lot. And I think from the conversations I had with, at least on the Republican side with my friends, they're scratching their heads, too, on this guy. We're just kind of stuck right now. And I'm not... But I, I, listen, I don't give a break to any, and, and the same, I would make the same statement about any Democrat, too, that does this, because I'm not a Democrat. Um, but I, would, I don't give any Republican a break on this if off the record and behind the scenes are going, yeah, we can't stand him, but I need him for my job. That's not what you're in Congress for. Well, I need him for my job, or I need him to protect the policies that the party is supposed to stand for. I mean, that's, I think that's the rationalization. It's a stretch. Look, the thing for me that's always a mystery is not why do, why does someone want to stay in a powerful job where people you know kiss your behind twenty four hours a day. I get that part. The bigger thing is, don't you want to get more stuff done? Like you have one life, and I have obviously this you know tiny role in in politics on the Cook County board. But the thing that makes it interesting is that you get to accomplish things that you otherwise wouldn't get to accomplish if you were just running around fighting all the time. I, Hundred percent, because I'm allergic to meetings, and all these people do is live in meetings and discussions, and nothing happens. Well, I'm twelve hundred pages into investigative reports in this administration, and I'm pretty much done reading those things. <laughs> much more. Again, Pat reads, so we don't have to. We're talking about the impeachment, and holding on very patiently is Pat. Let me get this, Pat. Uh, good morning, Pat. How are you? Good morning. What do you want to say? Well, I totally disagree. Well, I, I'll say I slightly disagree with the fact that people aren't paying attention with this because I am one of the people who have the Republican Party has lost. I am a suburban, former Republican, educated woman whose friends, and I talk about this all the time, we're, we just cannot get over the fact that the Republicans cannot see what is happening. And I, I really think out there, people are listening, and people are watching, and people are concerned. Well, I hope you're right, and I appreciate that point of view, and I'm, I'm, I'm very glad you're paying attention, and I hope you're right about all of it. Um, thanks for calling, and thanks for listening. Thoughts? I'm Pat, which is a fine name, represents to me what the biggest threat of Trump Republicanism is to the Republican Party. Suburban women are paying attention, and they can't stand him, and that's what cost us two congressional seats in the last election. 
and will continue to cost the Republican Party in this state elections until we figure out some way to appeal to women like Pat. And, and I think it's kind of what we were saying earlier. They are paying attention, but they're not intervening because their time of intervention is the election. And this is the moment where they're going to have power. And right now, how do you as an average citizen influence the impeachment? I'm not going to protest there. I'm not going to, I can't, you know, I'm too busy to spend all day watching it. Having said that, I know I'm going to be able to vote and I'm going to support someone who's opposed to all this stuff. And And that's what I think a lot of people are are thinking. I I agree completely. And women have been weaponized, suburban women. I mean, they're the most. What, with the vote? With the vote. With this, the, the, the. The power of their vote in this next election cycle. I mean, that's where the election is going to be won or lost, suburban women in all the suburban areas. So in 1998, Pat, you and I were 38 years old. I felt Bill Clinton, who was, I think, was a great president. I thought he should have been thrown out of office because I thought he took the level of the office down a notch, and we continue to take it down a notch. And the president that's currently occupying the uh, White House has certainly taken it down again. Will there ever be another time in America where we hold the president to the highest of standards? Well, I'm worried about it's going to be kangaroo court kind of stuff because there were there was one impeachment in the first 200 years of the country. We've had three in the last 50. So if you start using it as a political tool, not really a mechanism to remove somebody that's done wrongdoing, uh, it, it's a bad development. Yeah, I don't really think it's fair to say that the Democrats are using impeachment as a political tool right now. There's a lot of wrongdoing that needed to be investigated. And as we said last time, Listening to those diplomats, those super serious people that never want to be on TV talking about why this is bad for us, that those are issues that had to be aired. Now, you know, we'll agree or disagree on whether Clinton needed to be go through that impeachment process. Having said that, I don't think that these are, you know, tiny issues that could have been that they're, that they're just using a political weapon. I agree, I agree completely. But I think that there are other and this is where we you do have an. I'm not sure if you have an obligation to necessarily do impeachment when you have a constitutional violation in their oversight capacity. They could do censure. They could have done something short of that. And I think what happened with the Democrats and the politics of it is the the moderates broke in favor of doing this. And that's what forced the Speaker's hand to, to bring the – and if they really were sincere, and with all due respect to my friend Bridget, about upholding the Constitution, then they should have invoked impeachment the minute the Mueller report – was read because there was there were clearly things in there that were illegal the president did that he should have been impeached for but they didn't yeah but you're, you're kind of saying two things because i think nancy pelosi didn't want to get to the place we are now and was there mechanisms without going you know to the nuclear option which is impeachment and i think she waited and waited and waited and at some point it was too much because it makes it look like you're either a dupe and they're totally getting over on you it's kind of like the movie casino fantastic movie when they you know the guy gets fired because the slots go berserk and he and his uncle comes in the next day and is like hey you know he wasn't he wasn't a bad kid you should just let him and and de niro says look he was either in on it or he was too stupid to know what was going on and neither is acceptable and it got to that point and pelosi if she didn't take the action you either look like you're in cahoots or you're an idiot. That's well, my, then, that's then it's my a political decision. But that's, that's my concern going forward is we've reached a point in this country where the line of what's okay keeps getting moved. Yeah. And if you keep moving the line of what's okay is back. I don't care who's in power. You know, well, yeah, well, yeah, but we yeah, but everything to death. At some point, it's got to be black and white and it's not okay. And I think the president of the United States, whoever, Trump, whoever's next, they ought to be held to a higher standard, and they ought to, we, we ought to be able to expect more out of them than using the office for personal gain or trying to use it to help a campaign um, or any of the other things that have been thrown up that are provable. 
Okay, I just have to say that I, I just got a text from my mom who oh. said, I mean, Pat Brady is way too smart to think that cheating on your wife is the same as undermining our national security and leaving Ukrainians to die. Well, Mrs. Gaynor. I'm just going to say, here we go. Not that, but uh, with all the Having met Bridget's mom, I would I, never I argue. i got to argue with Bridget's mom on text, but I will say that. So just be careful. Cheating on she your She said you were smart. Cheating on, thank you. Cheating on your wife is one thing. Lying in a court proceeding under oath is another. That was my. You lie under oath, that's a felony. That's a high crime or misdemeanor. Well, we had someone lying under oath this year, apparently, and he's now in the Supreme Court. <laughs> Listen, I, and I think the next reaction is you make the point that it needs to be different going forward. Re, these elections tend to be reactions to the last occupant of the White House. And hopefully on either side, we're going to get, or at least on the Democrat, we're going to get somebody that runs on that. that we need to do things better. The country deserves better than what we've been put through in the last three years. I think we can save it. I really do. I think we can save it. I think we can wash Washington. You know, a little ammonia here and there. What do you do when, a, when you have to clean up a dead body, Pat? You would know. Uh, and uh, um, Wait, you know, She made the casino reference. I don't, I don't yeah, but that was just covering you. I, that, I, I must think of that line, I don't know, maybe once a week. Like, well, there one. you go. Uh, Pat, I know you're on the road next week, so Merry Christmas in person before you leave. Are you coming back to see us next week? Bridget? Of course. Oh, Where good, else would good, I be? Okay, good. Cook County Board, Aon, there's lots of other places. But thank you. my guys. dance card. Thank you guys for being here. See you. Thanks. Coming up, Dean Richards and the Radio Christmas card. Again, I don't have time to send out Christmas cards. No, so I busy call guy. my friends on this show. Annabelle Laval. Uh, we're going to call her and see if we can find her wherever she's out and running around this morning. Uh, David Hochberg in a quick drop by. We're going to talk about his new show. And Jane Lynch, Chicago's own, coming up too. All right, it's Dean Richards live at Channel 9. Good morning. Hello there. How are you today? Oh, fantastic. All right. Now, you told us yesterday about your little accident. Yes. Where you broke your wrist. Uh, I fractured my wrist. Isn't that the same thing? No. Really? No, it's just uh, I have a hairline fracture. It didn't break all the way through. I heard your hand flew off. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when... Uh, when you used to like clip your gloves onto your coat, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you wouldn't lose them. They'd be the, floppy. The, the gloves would be floppy. That's how my one wrist is right now. And uh, did you break a rib? Did not break a rib. No, I have uh, the fractured wrist and uh, lots of facial abrasions from when my head hit the pavement. I That's tripped, what the makeup's for. Tripped on a pothole. Yeah, the, the, our makeup people are fantastic. They sent out for extra makeup. That's how much makeup they, they need. They sent me to Earl Scheib this morning. Yeah, spray painted his head. About. But uh, this morning, a new twist to this whole thing, okay. they t- and they told me this was going to happen when I went to the emergency room. I have two black eyes today also. Oh, yeah, they come in later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, I told you, man, I told you when we talked on Sunday. You got to make up a backstory for this. You got to get some mileage out of this. Mel Gibson beat the hell out of you. He just he was never, never, ever ready. I like right the, to, to I accept like the story apology. better than Julie Andrews beat yeah, the crap better. out of me. Mary Poppins. She took you backstage. Gave me a spoon. Oh, you think that went that. well? Do you? <laughs> do you notice how my, my my Julie Andrews is way different than my Queen impression? You are a man of many voices that all sound like the one. Helpful texture chimes in with this. Uh, when you talk to Dean today, you can tell him the trick for knowing if you're young or old is this. If you fall down and everybody laughs, you're young. If you fall down and people rush to see if you're okay, you're old. Okay, then I know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you're okay. Uh, what's up with Harvey Weinstein? Harvey Weinstein. A lot of people are mad about this. I think I am a little bit, too, but he cut a deal with uh, his accusers in the civil case 
that was filed against him. There were 32 women who filed a civil case against him. And uh, yesterday, the uh, they they announced that a settlement had been reached, in which the uh, the women will each get a share of 25 million dollars. Uh, he is not required to admit any wrongdoing with this. He's not even paying the money. His insurance company well, that's ridiculous. is going to be paying this money. But it just seems like after all of the, their, their criminal charges are still pending, uh, that's a whole other thing. But to to do a uh, you know a financial settlement with this seems to like it flies in the face of me too. To me, I don't entirely understand it. So, so were the majority of these women represented by one attorney? Don't know, because there would have to be some agreement between attorneys and victims, right? Yeah, all the all the thirty plus women who are involved in this obviously would uh, I would think there would have to be a unanimous right. uh, decision on this, and that's that's a lot of money that each of them will be getting. But you know, if if you file these charges in the first place to make a point as a financial settlement. Uh, philosophically, the best way to end this in a civil case, as I say, he is still, uh, you know, up on charge criminal charges for this. In fact, yesterday the judge actually uh, increased his bail. He was wearing one of those electronic ankle monitors, okay, and apparently took it off several times. You know, so, wow. so the judge it didn't go with his suit. The, the judge uh, wasn't so happy about that, so they raised his bail. Uh, he is now, he's, I guess he's supposed to have surgery today for injuries uh, that he suffered in a car accident. He's been using a walker, uh, but he's going to be having some surgery today. Uh, so this case just gets weirder and more unusual. Um, I sent you the number for our special Christmas card uh, friend. Will you uh, get her on the phone while we do the, uh, the, uh, the, the round the horn thing here? We're going to come back and say a quick hi to she's Anna Balaval. She's not here today. Yeah, we're going to get her on the phone. We're going to get her. We'll get her next. Dean Richards back with us. We're having trouble connecting with Anna Balaval. Is she in uh, the United States or did she go to? She usually goes home to Puerto Rico for the holidays. I think she's on her burner phone. <laughs> yeah, we don't necessarily have that number. So we'll continue while we try to effort her. She's got to be on TV. You know, that's her main job. Actually, I don't, I don't think I've seen her on today. Mm. That's why I thought she was gone. Mm. We, we we discussed this yesterday. We had quite a plan. Uh, anyway, Pierce Brosnan is back in a musical. This seems dangerous. Oh, Pierce Brosnan, please stop. Stop singing. Stop singing, Pierce Brosnan. He, uh, well, the story is he's just been signed to be in the new... Uh, Cinderella remake that's going to be happening. A live-action Cinderella remake. With He's playing Cinderella? Camilla Cabello is going to be Cinderella. Oh, okay. Idina Menzel is going to be in it. You know who the evil stepmother is? Billy Porter. <laughs> for real? For real. That's kind of funny, actually. Uh, for real. Uh, that's awesome. Pierce Brosnan is uh, going to be the prince. God bless you. The um, He's going to uh, be the prince? Not uh, not the uh, the prince's father. Oh, ah, yeah. the king. He's the prince of the king. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, goodness. I guess, I guess that's what you call <laughs> the dude with the bigger crown. Yeah, the bigger yeah. crown. Uh, but it's a musical, so I have to <sighs> assume that Pierce Brosnan is going to be singing again. Some of you may remember Pierce Brosnan singing in the Mamma Mia movies, allegedly singing in the in the uh, Mamma Mia. He was walk singing, movies. talk singing. I mean. 
I I wouldn't even call it singing. You know what? <laughs> he wouldn't even call it singing because when I interviewed him, he even admitted that he should have never sung in those movies. So even he admits that he's not a good singer. I saw an interview where he said he's never watched it and he never will. Well, <laughs> which you understand. I wish I wish I could say the same. Right. Right, right, right. So anyway, that's going to be coming out in the year 2021. I'm planning on being off that week. Now, we are all Screen Actors Guild members, proudly. Yes. And uh, the nominations are out? Nominations are out. These are, uh, everybody says that their awards are the ones that are the precursor to the Oscars, Mm -hmm. the ones that predict what's going to happen at the Oscars. But really, it's the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which most closely reflect what happens, you know, for the acting categories, at least anyway, because the Screen Actors Guild Awards are awards given to actors by actors. And uh, the nominations for the best cast in a motion picture, which is essentially their best picture award, are The Irishman, Bombshell, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in America, and the South Korean film Parasite, which I have not seen, but everybody's telling me is amazing. So uh, I'm going to be seeing that for uh, best performance by a male actor. Christian Bale in Ford versus Ferrari, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, American Driver, uh, I'm sorry, Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Taron Edgerton being remembered for playing Elton John in Rocket Man. He was great. And Joaquin Phoenix in uh, The Joker. No Adam Sandler, huh? No Adam Sandler, which is amazing because he is stunning in uh, his uh, motion picture, Uncut Gems, which will open uh, right around Christmas time. For best uh, female performances, Cynthia Arrivo, who played Harriet Tubman in Harriet, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Lapita Nyongo being remembered for Us, that came out very early this year, Charlize Theron and Bombshell and Renee Zellweger. Uh, for playing Judy Garland in Judy. Those awards are going to be January 19th. Um, and Curb Your Enthusiasm is ready to come back? The uh, new trailer, uh, the first trailer, has just been released. Uh, take a look at that on YouTube or on the HBO website. There's also a trailer for the sequel to the R. Kelly docuseries that was on Lifetime that kind of blew open the R. R. Kelly case again. There's a, a sequel to all of that, and there's a new trailer for that if you're interested uh, you can check that out. Uh, your friend and mine, Annabelle Ball. Annabelle Ball! She's on uh, TV right now. She's at a virtual reality thing, whacking stuff. Likely story. Yeah. Common excuse. Why she can't be on the phone with us while she's doing this segment is beyond me. So. She should be off the. I, I, I believe that she. it's a very quick thing that she does. Yeah. Well, she should be off right now. Try her again. Right now. Um, it's 822. Anna All right. Bella, Anna Bellaval yesterday, uh, you know, every year she has a tradition. She makes a uh, traditional Puerto Rican eggnog, which is called Coquito. And she made it live on the program yesterday, which is uh, like coconut uh, milk, evaporated milk, and lots and lots and lots of rum. <laughs> lots of rum. And she made it uh, live on the program, and pretty much everyone was hammered on the show yesterday. A lot of booze, huh? That explains a lot about the morning show, doesn't it? I think it probably does. Uh, Tomorrow, are we going to talk some movies? Tomorrow, we're going to be talking about uh, Jumanji, The Next Level, uh, with uh, Kevin Hart and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, Danny DeVito and Danny Glover are both in this movie. Part of the premise of this movie, you know, when they get sucked back into the virtual reality game, you know, they're in this uh, jungle-like setting. But this time when they get uh, sucked back into it, 
uh, they become each other. So for most of the movie, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is talking and acting like Danny DeVito. Uh, Kevin Hart is talking and acting like Danny Glover. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. And, and, and Danny Glover can pull that off? Uh, yes. Danny, Danny and Danny Glover is talking like Kevin Hart. They like take on each other's uh, personas and personalities. Wow. But what's really funny is Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, you know, talking like Danny DeVito in the in the movie. Speaking of really funny, Richard Jewell, the movie obviously not really funny, but the guy that plays Richard Jewell is the same guy from the Tanya Harding movie who had the small part as one of the thugs' uh, goofy friends. You know, the big fat guy in the Tanya Harding uh, scenario who was part of whacking Nancy Kerrigan on the knee. And he was hilarious. Yeah, he's a funny guy. I talked with him uh, this past weekend, or the weekend before, uh, in Los Angeles. His name is Paul Michael Hauser. Mm -hmm. Uh, He actually went to college in the Chicago area, not Northwestern, like almost all the actors do when they say, oh, I went to school in the Chicago area. He went to Old Dominion College. I don't know, for, for a couple of uh, years, uh, and had uh, fantastic Chicago stories, and you know, hung out was was telling me all the places that he he used to hang out. But he's he's very funny, very likable. He does a really great job. That's the other movie that I'm going to be reviewing tomorrow is uh, Richard Jewell. Uh, at first, I thought it was about a grocery store. <laughs> oh, you did? I did. You thought the jewels were all named after a guy named Dick Jewel? I, I did. Hmm. Uh, turns out it's about the 1996 Olympic bombing yeah. that took place in Atlanta. and uh, this, Much less enjoyable. Uh, this overzealous security guard by the name of Richard Jewell, he was the, the guy that found the uh, backpack that had pipe bombs in it and you know tried to warn people to get away. Uh, at first, he was considered a hero, uh, but then uh, the FBI and the news media uh, kind of pointed a finger at this guy, saying that he uh, is similar to a profile of a, the kind of person who would do this and uh, crucified the guy. Yeah, I remember. Uh, we, in, we, in the we vilified him. I remember, I remember when this happened. I remember the whole timeline of the story where sure. everybody thought he was a hero. And then everybody thought, wow, he was the guy that uh, did the bombing. And the movie kind of tells that story. Clint Eastwood, who directs the movie, takes lots of liberties in the film. Uh, and uh, people are really criticizing uh, a lot of the, the facts that uh, Eastwood plays with uh, in the movie, one of which is the uh, reporter for the uh, Atlanta newspaper that reported the story that in the movie they hint that she traded uh, sex for tips on this story from the FBI. Hey, that's my move. Which which uh, uh, the Atlanta Constitution Journal, yeah, is that, is yeah, that that's the it. name of the yeah, newspaper yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. They say that that never happened. Uh, the reporter who is in question here has since passed away. But uh, they say that Eastwood completely made that part of the movie up. Uh, there are some other facts uh, in this movie that people say are not exactly... Yeah, it's not cool when you're, when you're talking about a real human. Oh, yeah. look who we found. What? Annabelle Laval! What? Uh, don't I love how you say my name? Uh, Annabelle Laval. Annabelle Laval. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, too, and your whole crew. This is a Christmas card by phone because um, I don't have time to lick a stamp. And um, You don't have to lick them anymore. They're adhesive. Oh, if I'd known that, I never would have called. Uh, no, but here's a hug. Come here, you. Come here. Merry Christmas. 
and and uh, I know you're doing uh, an around town, so we don't want to keep you. But uh, Dean, do you have anything for? Uh, I just I was uh, on. I was just uh, sharing the story of how you made coquito for everybody here yesterday. And for everybody, but but who got a bottle? I got a full bottle of it. Everybody else got a little taste. And I got to say, that, like what lightweights we work with here. Everybody is smashed. Oh my God. After a couple of sips of this, uh, it, now it, it there is a lot of rum in it, but there is. But it also yields two. My recipe yields two huge bottles. Yeah. So they were like, "Oh my god, that's so much rum!" Well, you want to feel a kick? They were plastered. They were these plastered. A couple of sips, and, and they were plastered. That's why that explains it. Because after nine o'clock, yeah. I kicked the TV on and I saw Larry Potash totally deny a cue and go, "I'm not listening. You pointed somebody else." <laughs> No, it was fun. It was really cool. But Dean has been one of the chosen few that for the last 14 wow. years that I've been a GN gets a bottle every year every because year. he's my, my agent. He is also my lawyer <laughs> and my desk husband. Yep, That's right. Well, happy, 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 happy Christmas to both of you. Well, Dean, Thank I'll talk to you, you tomorrow. Thank you so much. Love you, Steve. And thank Love you, you for your, your support year round and everyone in your, in your team. And Coquito to you. Coquito to you, amigo. Bye. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> Coquito to you. <laughs> See you tomorrow, buddy. <laughs> Coquito. Coquito. News next, 720 WGN. David Hochberg is here, and uh, I don't want to talk to you about your normal business. Okay. I want to talk to you about your new radio show. Yeah, me too. When is it? Uh, it's starting January 4th, right here on WGN Radio, after uh, Home Smart Show with Lou Manfredini. All right, and what's it going to be about? It's going to be about... Psychics. Uh, you're going to have psychics come in, you're going to predict the future. We're doing our re- uh, relationship advice. You're going to be reading people. I am going to be re- actually reading off of people. So so, so, so the whole concept of the show is, is that somebody writes on a person, they come in here in their bathing suit, because it would be awkward if they okay, didn't no, have a no, bathing stop suit. Stop it. Okay, stop it. Uh, it's a show about... about about everything that has to do with, with, with your home and your financial well-being. I've uh, been doing the show for over 15 years. It's been on a number of different stations. We're finally bringing it to WGN Radio starting on the first Saturday. In- and you're excited about that. I am super excited about it. I've been trying to make this move for a number of years and finally had the opportunity, and we're here. And I just confirmed... Our guests for the first show, it's going to be Megapro's Joe from Megapro's Home Improvement. We like those guys. Tom Janke from Builder Supply Outlet. We like that guy. Five miles east of the Oak Brook Shopping Center. We have Amy Kite. We like uh, her. Of Amy Kite Realty Empire. And we have the Roy Spencer from Permaseal. We like him, too. So so I know all those people. They're great people. It's a packed show. And... If you've got calls about a basement water challenge, Roy's here. If you've got calls about selling a home, Amy Kite's here. If you have homes about redoing a kitchen or a basement, Joe could tell you how to do it. Tommy could help you design it, and you could buy all the stuff from Tom. The show isn't a sales show. The show is here to answer the listeners' questions that the listeners have that, might, that they might be too afraid to ask otherwise or get bad information going to their neighbor who doesn't know anything and looked it up by, by Googling it. Yeah, because you can buy your stuff wherever you want. Right. may inspire you to go do something uh, with somebody else, but in all likelihood, you're going to like these people. And, and and it's people that you've heard on the radio. Dykstra Home Services just signed on to be a sponsor. We have JC Restoration, who does mold and um, damage repair. Lindholm Roofing. Lindemann Chimney signed on. So all these guys are going to be in studio answering the listener's question that they've heard their ads for years. And when is it again? It's going to be Saturday mornings after um, House Smart Show with Lou Manfredini. Starting when? Starting 
starting on January 4th from 10 o'clock until noon. Okay. And we're, it's going to be packed with information. I hope everybody tunes in. It's gonna, I'm super excited. Andy, do you remember that song? Jim Chimney, Jim Chimney, Lyndon Jim Chimney. Yeah, it's a good one. That's Gr- good one. Great story. By the way. Yeah. Um, uh, I also thank you for sponsoring the Steve Cochran New Year's Eve experience. I'm super excited about that. Almost not as much excited about that. Just a slightly less excitement level than than, than, than the new, new show. Yeah, yeah, okay. But I am just... Generally oh, speaking, you're super excited. I am super excited. Uh, it's going to be uh, Tim Banker and John DeCaz and uh, Mike Toomey. And Tim Walco and me, an extravaganza of good times. Yeah. It's New Year's Eve for people that can't stay awake until midnight. If you go to ClassicCinemas.com, you can order your tickets right there. It's at the Tivoli. Tivoli's got a box office, too. I assume you can swing by there and do it as well. Great Sponsored theater. by Team Hockberg and Homeside Financial. Yes, Team Hockberg, Homeside Financial. And you might as well throw in Home Sweet Home Chicago Radio Show. We'll throw them on as a sponsor as well. And if you'd prefer, we're doing a matinee. Really? One o'clock in the afternoon at the Rouse Center in Crystal Lakes. So we're going to go from Crystal Lake in the afternoon to the Tivoli at night. Who's driving? Uh, my crew. Okay. Yeah. Not, not the cost. I got Jay-Z driving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Uh, org to get tickets in uh, Crystal Lake, and we hope you come out. Special shout-out to Marcus Lashock. It's his birthday today. Friend of mine, client of mine. So Marcus Lashock from Channel 9. Channel 9 News. How old is popped he? Up. I, I can't tell you that's confidential information. Next, you'll ask me his social security number and how much money he makes, and I'm not telling you that either. So there. How about that? You do know all that, don't you? I do. I know everything. That's going to be part of David Hochberg's new show, How Much People Make. Yeah. He's just going to release that information. No, I'm not. It's all confidential. I would never do that. I'm not going to break my fiduciary responsibility, no matter how many times you try to get it out of me. And how much and how much coffee or liquor you put in me. It's well, not sounds, like, sounds like there's been a fair amount of coffee this morning. Yes. Uh, thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. See you. Friend of the show for many, many years, yet she continues to get younger and more attractive and, and, and to talent, please. Hardest working woman in show business, Jane Lynch. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, my gosh. That's my favorite introduction. Thank you. Have you missed me? I completely missed you. I'm so happy to be on the phone with you and to be home. My spine just snaps into place as soon as I, <laughs> I get to O'Hare. I'm, I'm so happy. Merry Christmas. Tonight, you're at the Batavia Fine Arts Center. Tomorrow and right. Saturday, you're at the beautiful Rouse Center in Crystal Lake, where we're going to be New Year's Day, or New Year's Eve, I should say. Huh? Wonderful. And then two Wonderful. shows Sunday at the City Winery. Those are great venues. Yeah, they sure are, which also means in the middle of this kind of crazy tour, we have about five nights here in Chicago, which is great because we stay right here in the city. Cool. And uh, you can link all that through your website, right? Yeah, uh, Jane Lynch Official. Yeah. Um, and by the way, the song, or the show, I should say, talk about a Swing and Little Christmas. Tell me what happens in the show. Well, we have an album called The Swing and Little Christmas that we recorded about four years ago. So what we do is, we, and this is our fourth year, is we go all over the country. Myself, Kate Flannery, Tim Davis, uh, who is our third singer. Kate Flannery was Meredith the Drunk from The Office. Um, and we have a five-piece band, and we do every song from the album. And it's with, of course, assorted buffooneries in between, because, of course, it is Kate Flannery. And uh, we have real tight three-part harmonies and a great big band with a jazz, jazzy bent. So it's traditional Christmas songs, but 
it sounds like an album that was recorded in the late 50s, early 60s. So it's it's a very classical kind of Christmas uh, show. It, you know, all the great Christmas stuff that we listen to year after year is the stuff that was recorded back then, the late 50s, early 60s. Your Bing Crosby's and Rosemary Clooney and whatnot. Sure. And so it's kind of that the really tight three-part harmony. And so, I don't know, I just think we're fantastic. Well, well and here's and the thing. A, it's great fun. <laughs> here's the thing. Um, you and I both grew up in the 70s. And as kids of the 70s yeah. in the three-channel universe, you got a little yeah. Andy Williams. You got a little Perry Como. Right. You got some Bing yeah. early on. Uh, and then right. maybe maybe late 70s, you got a Donnie and Marie special. But did you ever think... Carpenters. Did you ever think, mm-hmm. Jane Lynch, you'd be coming back to your hometown to do your own Christmas show? How cool is that? Uh, well... If you had told me that, I would have said, that's preposterous if I knew that word back then. Mm -hmm. But I am so thrilled to be able to do it because that, you know, growing up in the 70s, my uh, memories of Christmas are kind of, that's where they're lodged. Sure. Is is growing up in the 70s. And all of that music that we listened to over and over again, we kind of have a Christmas rotation of music. And um, I invite everybody to add uh, Swing a Little Christmas to your Christmas rotation. It's, it's I think, a really well-done album. was arranged by Tony Guerrero, who is our band leader, and just gorgeous, gorgeous harmonies, gorgeous instrumentation, if I do say so myself, Steve Conkern. And uh, let me ask you this, is Kate going to go total dancing diva on you now and insist on dancing since she was so good at, so good at on Dancing with the Stars? She's adding some more steps, uh, and you know what, she, I, she blew my mind. She was great. She was on Dancing with the Stars. I, she, I had no idea. She had no idea. That she had it in her, and she does. She has a, a um, she does a really fun rendition of King Wenceslas, where she mispronounces it throughout the whole song to, to the point where she finally says King Wenceslas. But she's adding all these great moves now. We're just so impressed with her and so proud of her. Yeah, well, she's done tremendous. Uh, what about game night coming back? Uh, not that I know of. You know, uh, it's one of those things. It's a lot like more work than teams. it looked, wasn't it? No, oh my God, it was easy. It, oh, it hosted itself. I just had fun. We're kind of on the bench, so we get called up when they have a hole in the schedule. So we're just you know, always praying for a hole in the schedule. Right, right, right. Well, especially if it's easy money. Um, and yeah, uh, what about the fun. what about the marvelous Ms. Maisel? Yes, well, that the third season. I'm in the. I was a guest star in the first two, and I'm a regular in the third. And that? it's a blast. It's you can get all the episodes right now. It dropped on Friday, last Friday, and um, yeah. And I will see. You know, if I, I mean, right now, let's focus on this season. I don't know if it'll go for another season, but um, it, it was an amazing experience. We shot uh, in and out of New York City all summer and uh, spring and summer, and it's such a wonderful show, top to bottom, soup to nuts. What's your favorite part about being back in Chicago? I mean, you can't say pizza. Uh, well, I haven't had any yet, um, but I will. I'm, I'm going to do an Aurelio's run later on tonight. It's walking down the street, Steve. Like, I'm right here on Dearborn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I, the minute I got here, I went to Restoration Hardware and had a cup of tea because it's one of my favorite places to go. It's tremendous. And uh, I just love it. I just love being here. It's so much fun. I'll be walking down Michigan Avenue. Uh, little. We're going to be on Windy City Live, which I hope I can um, uh, push on this sure, show. Of course you Today, we're going to be singing live. Push it, push it, baby. Yeah, of course you And can. so I'm excited now here's yeah, the thing so if i'm excited if you're lucky mm, enough to ahead. travel there's nothing like yeah. christmas in new york london and chicago those are three right. fabulous christmas cities but i'll take chicago every time 
I always say uh, Christmas is the best in Chicago. Nobody does it like Chicago. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing all the uh, lights on Michigan Avenue. And, and I'm, as you can probably tell, I'm really caffeinated and excited right now about the whole darn thing. Well, as you well should be. Um, where will you yeah. actually do Christmas? Back in L.A.? No, I'm coming here. I'm going to come back to Chicago. So I'm good, good, right good. after the, our tour is over, I'm flying back here. Because you know what's weird? Because I've done Christmas in warm climates, and I grew up in yeah. upstate New York. If you grew up around snow, you can never get used to yeah. Christmas in the sunshine. It's just weird. It is a weird thing, but i got to tell you, I, I come here every year for Christmas. But I've spent a couple of years in Los Angeles, and the, the traffic empties out. Yeah, <laughs> it's oh, that's nice. true. But, you know, there's, I, I, I agree, there's nothing like Christmas um, it, when you're used to the snow and the cold weather uh, in Chicago. Nothing like it. And I love upstate New York, too. That's, that's a cold climb. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Listen, I'm just glad you're showing off your musical chops. I've known how great a singer you were for years, uh, and I think a lot of people uh-huh. did. But to be able to have everybody get a chance to see this, and I think it's pretty cool. Oh, well, thank you so much. I always appreci- appreciate your support. You're, you guys are the greatest. Well, we're big fans. You know that. So the Christmas tour is on. Let me remind you again. You can follow Jane mm-hmm. all over social media at Jane Marie oh, yeah. Lynch, at Jane Lynch Official, uh, Jane Marie Lynch on Facebook right. and Twitter, Jane Lynch Official on Instagram, and obviously your website, JaneLynchOfficial.com. Yep. Link to all the shows again. Tonight, the Batavia Art Center. Uh, the Row tomorrow and uh, Saturday, and then two shows Sunday at the beautiful City Winery. Let me get Susie in here yep. before we say goodbye. Susie, say hi to your friend Jane. Hey, Susie. Jane, you're fabulous. I just want to tell you I watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel the other yeah. day from start to finish. You were mesmerizing. You are wow. so talented. I love you. Thank in you. It. You know, the show, and it's hard to do from those two others, you know, from the one that plays Susie and from, of course, Rachel Brosnahan. You are so talented, amazing. You should be on Broadway singing. And I loved you from the first time I saw you in The Fugitive, I think. Wow. Oh, my gosh, sure. It's 1993, I think. What's what's amazing about you is everything you do is fabulous, no matter the game show, it's comedy, or whatever. I think you are it. You are fabulous. Susie, you're fabulous. And you look gorgeous well, in the show, too. But I laughed so thank you. hard. I'm so I glad I made the call please. this morning. <laughs> no, it was great. I, I couldn't stop watching. I had to watch it to the end. Every one of my family was saying I was like a zombie because I was watching <laughs> it, but I couldn't wait to see... What you did on the Broadway show. Well, let me ask you a question, Susie. Susie, let me ask you a question before we run out of time. The story you tell later about talking to Jane Lynch on the phone, what would you like to tell people Jane Lynch said to you? I'm so busy. I just, I love your run on, I love your run on compliment to me. There you go. I'm probably going to. Well, I wanted, this, uh, I wanted recording. to get it all in. I, I wanted to get it it's all totally in. It's totally fine. I, you just got a story where Jane Lynch said she loves you. That's pretty good. I love her. I <laughs> thank think you, Susie. All right, no, Susie, thank you, thank you for that. That's great. It's very kind of you. you really made, I mean, she really made my day listening to her talk about you. You know what? Call her back and get her to compliment me for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> listen, have a great time back in town. It's great of you to jump on in short Thanks. notice. Thank you. Oh, you bet. All right, see you soon. Thank you. Take care. Have a good one. Happy holidays. And to you. Uh, JaneLynchOfficial.com and John Williams is coming up. Uh, The Northwestern Medicine News. What?
Let's get him a live mic next. You know, I've literally lost track. Is this our first week of the new schedule or second um, week? I don't know. Or is it the second uh, week? What is today? Uh, started December 1st. Well, I, then now we so, got to know what today is. So it's today's the 12th. This is the second week of our new schedule. Week. You know why I forgot? Because no. I've burned out brain cells getting up at 3 in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. How's the show? How's the show? Yeah, oh, God, I don't know. Thank you, though. For no, saying. I really do. Yeah. yeah. I'm learning my way, Steve. It's funny you said on uh, the other day. I don't remember if it was the first show or not. But you said I've done this for a long time, and it feels like the first very, time. Very first time. Yeah. My wife texted me, "Shut up," <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. That's, a, that's the agent manager wife in her. That's good. Somebody from Prairie State Legal Services is going to join us in the first hour for all of those people whose pot convictions are getting overturned, or maybe for all of those people whose kids. Pot convictions are going to get expunged. What does that mean? What has to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, how did... What? They're going to explain it to you. They are going to okay. a little after the 9.30 news. Okay. And you're on CLTV. Let's wait to the fine people I at CLTV. I find people at hey, CLTV. Remember, remember me? I used to be on? Remember? <laughs> Here's John. And, well, all right, after the news, which starts right now.